0: you are listening to the spectral skull session tales from the twilight world of myth mystery and imagination the idea behind this podcast is that we explore claims about the occult supernatural and paranormal from an analytical standpoint we're open to the existence of a world beyond the five senses and we dismiss that dogmatic skepticism that insists that any story about the unexplained has to reduce to hallucinations or swamp gas but we're not committed to any particular theory or philosophy about what the paranormal is and we realize that whatever is out there the answer is likely to be more complicated than any existing model or theory what we bring to the table is small-s skepticism, a skepticism that we throw as much on the mainstream accounts as we do on the supernatural story. Okay, let's get started.
1: Welcome back to the Spectral Skull Session. This is part two of my interview with Neil Sibley, author of Deception by Design, Understanding the Paranormal from a Biblical Perspective. The first part was dropped on December 8th. It is titled The Bell Witch and the Paranormal. It focuses on Sibley's experiences while researching his screenplay about the infamous Bell Witch of Tennessee. This part of the interview focuses on Sibley's unified theory of the paranormal. The conversation covers hauntings, 19th century spiritualism, UFOs, and the paranormal investigator John Keel. This may be one of the most important interviews the show has ever done. Building models to describe empirical phenomena and then evaluating those models is central to the truth-seeking process. My guest posits that paranormal phenomena are best explained by the Bible. My official position on that, it is another hypothesis to be evaluated. In evaluating any theory or hypothesis about empirical reality, there are two general questions to ask. The first... How does the theory fit the data? That is, what aspects of the theory explain and predict your observations? The second, how does the theory's overall performance at explanation and prediction compare to competitor hypotheses? When Galileo developed his heliocentric theory of the solar system, his theory was not, initially, that much better at predicting the future location of the planets than the geocentric competitor. It did, however, provide a rich explanation for a wide swath of data. For example, by positing that the sun is at the center of the universe and the celestial spheres are rocky bodies that revolve around it, Galileo was able to explain the irregular shadings of the phases of the moon. Looking through a telescope, people could see that the edge of the crescent moon is not regular. Galileo explained that in a new, very satisfactory way. The moon is covered by mountains, and the lighted edge of the crescent moon is defined by a shadow cast by the sun. This is just one simple example, but the explanatory power of Galileo's theory played an outsized role in persuading people that it was true. Explanation and prediction both matter. In order to assess any hypothesis about the empirical world, even a hypothesis that involves the paranormal, We need to first understand the predictive and explanatory features of the model. We need to walk through some of the details about what the model says and how what it says matches up with empirical observation. Only after we do that are we really well positioned to assess the truth of the hypothesis. Does the model the hypothesis posits do a better job of explaining and predicting observed data than its competitors? This interview focuses on the first question, the question of how does the model fit the data? Neil Sibley walks us through a number of empirical phenomena, including personal and anecdotal observations of the paranormal—ghosts, apparitions, hauntings, UFOs. He shows us how his understanding of the Bible explains and, to a certain extent, predicts the phenomena in question. You'll find a number of interesting connections— between things you may know about the paranormal and biblical explanations. Of course, there are other questions to ask. We could scrutinize the empirical data in question. Have people really seen these things? Did this really happen? But a podcast is ill-suited for that. We can also interrogate the theoretical underpinnings for the model. In this case, we would be asking, do we have independent reasons for trusting the Bible? But that's a philosophical, or theological project? There are many excellent resources you can turn to for that question, from Christian apologist C.S. Lewis to atheist philosopher Bertrand Russell. It should also be noted that learning from the biblical theory Neil Sibley develops need not necessarily imply the truth of Christianity. As we discuss in this interview, paranormal investigator John Keel was biblically literate, and he took the Christian Bible to be a source of observational reporting on the paranormal. But he was not himself a believing Christian. So for this show, I encourage you to focus on asking yourself, how does the model that Neil Sibley describes explain and predict the empirical data, the observations he and others have made of apparitions and flying saucers? And ask yourself, if Sibley is right, what would you expect to happen in the world of UFOs in the near future? If you can bracket any metaphysical and observational objections you may have, and focus on the explanatory and predictive power of the model, I believe you'll have a better time. I also believe that you'll be exercising your critical thinking skills. Of course, this interview is also littered with ghost stories, for there is no expunging from the paranormal the thrill of the weird. As a side note, I had significant problems with the audio editing, The chief impact of this is that there has been some loss of quality in parts of the interview and some unusual time delays between questions and answers that I tried to fix. Um, I apologize. I've spent over six hours massaging the audio in an attempt to improve the quality. At some point, I had to let it go in the hopes of getting this episode out before Christmas Eve for all of you who may be on a long drive through the countryside who knows what you may see out there. Keep your mind open, but your critical thinking capabilities engaged. Without further ado, here is the second part of my interview with Neil Sibley. I know you're coming at it from a biblical perspective, but in order to, to defend the biblical interpretation to people who, you know, aren't dis, aren't disposed to accepting that, like, would you, you'd have to rule out other interpretations. And have you thought about... Like what if Betsy what if Betsy was generating the phenomenon to protect herself? Have you thought about it as an interpretation?
2: See, I can't I can only view it from a biblical perspective.
1: Okay. From the okay. From,
2: from the biblical perspective, uh anytime you encounter a spirit, it's it's either it's either an angel or a demon from the biblical yeah. perspective. You see what I'm saying? Okay. And yeah. It, it it played that it if you the quotes it made were quite Uh, In fact, I'm going to read you one here uh, in his conference with with, uh, John Bell Jr. who had respected, a spirit such as you are listening to is a perpetual creation not bounded by space or time, created by a power to whom this world must bow as an infinite being. The being must be accepted by a faith that only can be realized by a being being possessed of a soul and that soul being regenerated by acceptance of Christ as the savior of men. His spirit is endured and will endure for all time even out of this world has ceased to be. So it's making statements like this. It's validating yeah. the scriptures, but as a fallen angel, isn't it their
1: job to undermine, to undermine the truth? So why is it quoting the Bible? It was, it
2: was, it was there authorized by the Lord mm. to serve his agenda. It, it, it was in other words, he has that ability. We know that the, he can take a demon and then use it for his own, his own good or his agenda. So it was serving the Lord's agenda, and it even said, "I can be controlled by the Lord at any time, and I'm not even aware of it. You okay. know, I have no power compared to the Lord. You know, it. it yeah. And it almost seemed as if it was apologetic, as if it wanted to get back on the good side with the Lord. But you know, yeah. it, it almost seemed that way. But it, it would time and time again, it would admit that it was doomed, that it had no. Oh. In fact, there was a uh, a song that it sang every day. Uh, it's um, and I'm going to, I'll find that here in a minute, but, uh, it, it, it gave you insight as to the, the spirits, um, uh, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, um, uh, it, it's plight, I should say it's eternal plight, but Here's the song that it sang every day. These are the lyrics to the song: Come, my heart, and let us try, for a little season, every burden to lay by. Come and let us reason. What is what is this that casts you down? Who are those that grieve you? Speak and let the worst be known. Speaking may relieve you. Christ by faith I sometimes see, and He doeth relieve me. But my fears return again. Those are that grieve me, troubled like the restless sea, feeble, faint, and fearful. Plagued with every sore disease, how can I be cheerful? Now, that's that's not a song that one of the Lord's angels would sing. <laughs> okay. You, you know, troubled and f- like the fearless sea, feeble, faint, and fearful. Plagued with every sore disease, how can I be cheerful?
1: Yeah, I, I had always heard that within the Christian tradition, it was believed that they couldn't even mention Jesus Christ, that the fallen angels couldn't bear to say his name. But do you think that's not true?
2: Well, normally it is but this one was under the authority of the lord it was being used during this window of time to serve mm. his agenda if you okay. go to the book of job we see a similar situation uh where the lord directed satan himself to to attack uh, a righteous man and but he put restrictions on it you know mm. this is in the old testament but yeah what in other words but, but while it was there it had to acknowledge jesus other, Jesus Christ or otherwise they could have, uh, exercised it essentially. You, you see what I'm saying? So yeah. it's, it's acknowledging Jesus. And they, they, what do you do with that? You can't, you know, you're right. Normally they, at, this, at the name of Jesus, they flee, you see, mm. but it was yeah. there, it was there under the authority of Christ to serve his agenda. That's the only way okay. I can explain it, but it doesn't, to me, it makes sense. It's just, it's an, it's a biblical oddity, but there yeah. are, there are oddities like that throughout the Bible where, uh, very strange occurrences have. But the, the the biggest part of this, though, the biggest lesson, I should say, it does one or two things. I mean, it does two things. First of all, uh, you got to understand that the, the mainstream Christianity in America no longer believes in devils. They don't believe in, mm. they don't believe in, they don't even believe, in, they believe something goes like after you die, the spiritual realm kicks in, but they don't believe in the spiritual realm here and now. And they certainly uh. don't believe in devils. You see what I'm saying? In demons. That's been, that's, that's no longer preached on anymore. They've dropped that. Not, not entirely. There are some churches that still do, but mainstream Christianity doesn't speak of this. I mean, it's, it's just been dropped. In fact, I've seen polls that where more than 50% of the America's preachers don't believe there's a real devil,
3: mm.
2: which is, which is hard to believe. I mean, you know, that's inconsistent with the Bible, but mm. th- what this did was it it's for today's audience, it demonstrates the reality of the spiritual realm, that there are demons, and that and it also demonstrated their their physical their their physical capabilities. It's yeah. inconceivable to, to most people that they can manifest solid fruits. It did this over and over again. And these are fruits that they ate. It would bring fruits they'd never seen before. In fact, it would from the West East Indies, according to it, tropical type fruits. Mm. apples, I mean, uh, bananas and oranges, stuff that they didn't, you know, the Tennessee frontier, they didn't see it never seen yeah. before. And, uh, it would do other acts such as that. It, 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 it but it, it gave us a, a understanding, uh, that has been lost in the Christian community, that these things are real and they can do magic. They can, uh, for example, I, I'm believe and many other Christians do scholars, anyhow, that the ufo phenomena are fallen angels their manifestations of fallen angels and the, and their mm-hmm. occupants are the same and but and i know i know people who have actually experienced ufos and i'm talking in one case levitating above their home five or six feet on top of their home a massive ufo and this is a lady that's a christian woman i've known her for 15 years and uh, this was in broad daylight mm. And uh, you know, we're talking five or six feet, it's levitating above your home, and then it 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 it, it progressed to move uh, or it, it came in, in other was it moved forward and it, directly above them. they were standing in the driveway, she and her husband, and they're looking up at it. And they could see the triangular lights. and she said there was no sound, absolutely no sound.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And all they could feel was a faint breeze. And I've read that in other accounts where people directly under a UFO, Sighting, they would maybe hear a humming noise. She said they heard no noise, but they'd feel a faint breeze that you could detect it. So it it, it gives us a a, uh, a today's understanding on the capabilities of the demonic realm. Mm. And I was going to tell you that this tar tool that I'm holding here, that was rolling around, that you were hearing. Yeah. Uh, at one point while I was working on this, I was I had a riding partner in Natchez. Mississippi, and I would driven down to visit him, and right as soon as I got into town, I was just in one of those moves. I thought I was going to change the title. The title of the screenplay was Our Family Trouble, and it's um, it naturally has comedy woven into it because the spirit was funny. I mean, it would, it would tell jokes. It would cut up with people. Uh, it was very personal. And uh, anyhow, I thought I was going to be cute, and I was going to change the title to Touched by a Demon. Okay. <clears throat> And I just heard in my spirit, don't do that. You're, you're trivializing the demon. I said, and then foolishly, I, I laughed and said, oh, let's have a little fun with this. And at that moment, my tire blew out. Just I had a blowout in one of my rear tires. Okay, well, these things happen. That could have been a coincidence. Well, the next day when I went to have it fixed, the man on the shop, he said, uh, we need talk. He said, uh, I've been in this business over 30 years. I've seen every kind of flat. And he showed me what was in the tire. He said it was, it was, it had entered from the side of the tire as if it was fired from a gun. Mm. He said, I, he said, this is not possible. And he's looked me straight in the face and said, how did you do this? I have to know. And of course, this is one of many little episodes I had when I would, I'd crossed that border, you see. Uh, I didn't
1: ever do that again. <laughs> as you can- yeah. But well, what is it? I, I didn't get to see it. Can you hold it up higher? I can't. No, I still can't see it. <laughs> oh, there it is. Hold it up again. Maybe at where your face is at. That thing was in your tire? That's enormous.
2: And it was fired as if it was, it was like, he said it was like, the only way he could explain it is it was fired out of a gun. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's you can see it's It's quiet. <laughs> It's quite threatening yeah. <laughs> so, so somebody was really after you yeah well it, it was you know it just it wasn't a coincidence when i i i uh was foolish enough to say well let's let's uh, have a little fun with this i was told no don't do that you're trivializing the demon yeah, yeah. you, you said, i'm saying okay. i crossed that border yes again. now one of the most in, uh intriguing or threatening things that i had during this time now this i don't think this was a coincidence Uh, And I went into great detail in this interview I did with Art Bell. But at the same time, while I was doing my research, uh, I was uh, on a uh, get-together with my family in North, all of my family live in Northwest Alabama. And my uncle had just bought the oldest house in town. It was up on the hill, the old, every town, every small town in the South has one anyhow, the old house on top of the hill. Okay, it was built in the early 1800s or middle 1800s anyhow. And uh, probably the early 1800s, but anyhow. Uh, And he told me, uh, he said, uh, we have a spirit thing in our house. And I had never heard anybody tell me anything like that. I had Mm -hmm. never heard anybody say, we have a spirit in our home. He called it a spirit thing. And he was very concerned about it. I said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, at night in one of the upstairs rooms, we see it. It comes out of one of the rooms. It's just like a, a flashing light and it comes down the hallway. And this was like a nightly occurrence. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, Easter weekend, I was going to visit them and stay in their home. And for the first time, this new home they bought, this old home on the hill. And I didn't know at the time, but the the house was used for a funeral home, uh, found out later. And uh, my aunt and uncle got to bed. It was just, just me. I, I wondered why the other, they bought the big house so the family members could come and bring their families. But it was odd to me that right before dark, they all left. They all had rooms in motels, or nobody seemed to want to stay in the house. And, you know, so anyhow, my aunt and uncle go to bed there, they go to bed after dark. I stay up late, it's like 12 o'clock or one before I went to bed. And I just watched Jesus film, it was Easter weekend, okay. So, three times before I got there, the Holy Spirit told me, you're going to encounter this thing, and you know what it is, it's a demon. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, I got it. And he said, you you know what to do. Yeah, rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Yeah, I got it. Well, for some reason, I guess I just kind of forgot about it. (laughs) I go to the room I was assigned to, which was the uh, embalming room. I didn't know that at the time. (laughs) It had been in years past. Mm -hmm. And it was the spirits room. They called it, I found out, later they called it its room. That's what they refer to as it. Yeah. Well, I get to the room, and as soon as I get there, I'm I'm, uh, seeing like, the lights are still on. It was like a a, a flash. You know, how you see like a, a if you've been out in the sun all day long or something, you'll see like a, a sun a star. What do they call it? Yeah, you know? uh, Yeah. And uh, I thought, well, I'm just you know that's just me. And I heard some, like some funny creaking sounds or something. Didn't think anything about it. I turned out the light, and I was just getting really. I mean, even just getting comfortable. And there it was. And the in, you know those old houses have the high ceilings. About Two feet from the ceiling on the other end of the room there's this flashing bluish, bluish white light and i, I don't think i can describe it as like a large lightning bug it was it had like a wiggle to it and i've since mm. heard of these and hauntings are fairly common mm. uh, at the time i wasn't familiar with that but anyhow uh and my first impression was that it's got to be natural i mean like somebody's outside shining a laser or something inside the window but it the funny thing about it was it wasn't it was free floating it wasn't on the, the ceiling it was two feet from the ceiling and mm-hmm. finally I put it together that's the demon well the only mm-hmm. the only thing I could think of was getting out at that point I didn't want, to, and it was just like they say it was like slow motion like everything yeah. slowed down and I was I was only a few feet from the door and it took me forever it seemed like an hour to get to the door but I finally got yeah. to the doorway and then I realized I, I, I came to my senses and I said, I've got to stay and face this thing. And when I turned around, I'm kind of hoping it wasn't there, but there it was. But now, here's the weirdly weird thing: it had moved from the corner of the room into the center of the room. It's, you know, it's up in the air, but now it's dropped lower. In other words, it's like a it's like a fight where the fighters move to the center of the ring it's moved to the center of the ring and it's actually dropped down lower where it's only maybe two feet above my head. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, come on, you know, it's, it's, and as soon as I would say in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you, of course I was hoping on the first rebuke, it would leave. That didn't happen, but it was Mm -hmm. like, you hit it with a baseball bat, but there was no sound. And if I didn't know what it was, it was beautiful. It was, it was, it was just a bluish white light, and it was it, you could. It was just intense, though. And when you, and when you say in the name of Jesus, it would it would just go berserk. And so I finally realized, okay, and I, I, it it gave me some confidence uh, that, you know, my fear was, what's it going to morph into? I mean, you know, this thing you're dealing, you, you know, I'm stepping into something I've never seen before. This is a whole new reality. Mm-hmm. You know, when you see when you encounter, and I think other people you've talked to a lot of people when you encounter the paranormal for the first time, it changes you. You know, there's no denying this. You're looking at this thing; it's real, and uh, and I'm thinking, what's it going to do next? And for some reason, I didn't turn on the light. It's just like in the movies. You think I'd turn on the light? I didn't turn on the light, and uh, so I'm there in the dark with the demon, and I'm thinking. My fear was, I was like, I prayed, like, Lord, don't let the door close and lock. You know, you see in those movies where the door closes and locks. Yeah. And and don't let it morph into anything else. Okay. You know, I can deal with Tinkerbell here, but don't let it. You know, don't let this thing. You know, what's it? You know, I'm thinking The Exorcist. Remember that with the thing morphed into a, uh, you know, a six foot dog face demon in the wings. Okay, you remember? <clears throat> and that scene in The Exorcist. That's what I'm thinking. Where this thing's. You know, where You know, there's no rules here. There, there, there's simply no rules. You're you're playing in another, in a game you've never played before. So, uh, and I continued, and continued, and. After a while, it's just like it was a standoff. I, I it would, you know, it, it wasn't advancing anymore towards me, but each time I would rebuke it in the name of Jesus, it would just go berserk. And and finally, uh I uh, turned on the light, went downstairs and got the biggest Bible I could find. I had a very large Bible, and I came upstairs with a light on this time, and there was no the, the the entity was gone as far as the uh, the uh, visible entity. At
0: mm-hmm. that
2: point in time, you didn't see anything, but you heard uh, banging sounds as if a a bird had gotten in the house and they'll fly and they'll hit the wall. Like you would look mm-hmm. in this direction and and then and then it would it it hit the wall behind you. You and you could feel you could feel it was there. Yeah, I've heard these people say that you could when when a spirit's in a room you're in a room with a spiritual entity or in a home, you can feel its presence.
3: Mm.
2: Uh, I don't know how to explain it, but you could feel it, but you could also, in this time, at this case, in this point in time, you could hear it. And so I began reading the Bible, and I was was getting very frustrated at that point. And I really don't know how long, I kind of lost track of time, but at some point I finally said, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I'm turning it over to you. And when I did that, immediately, it was gone. Mm. And you could feel, you could feel it was gone. The whole atmosphere. And I've seen this on these paranormal shows where they, they similar situations where they would say a prayer and then it would just be gone. It said, you could, the, the, the room felt lighter. I've heard that said before. And that's how it felt. The room felt lighter yeah. and it was gone. And I didn't have any trouble sleeping the rest of the night. But, um, uh, the next morning I told my uncle what had taken place. And, um, uh, and uh, then he told me about well that was the embalming room and all that you know that it'd been, and uh, my interpretation is that that you could have had a, an evil person who was demon possessed. They took the body to that uh, funeral home, and the demon simply when a person dies it comes out of the body and it just took up residence. And the, ah. You see what I'm saying? So it, yes. I, you see this a lot, you know, where where like a an evil person have died and then the spirit will just take up residence in the home. You see. Mm. So that's what i I was thinking uh, or, or something along that lines but anyhow I had uh, I really didn't want to really didn't want to you know return there you know it wasn't my demon yeah. you know it's and I was hoping it was going for good it, 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 it actually had not but uh at that point they were informed enough based on my what information they received from me that they evidently had uh, some Christian friends or the preacher come over and they eventually removed it but before they did. My aunt had one of those birds that that, that talks, okay, speaks English, yeah. okay, or what or whatever. It would duplicate whatever sound it heard. Yeah. Uh, it actually they would come home and the bird would be talking foul language. Oh no. So this thing had gained a voice, okay. And the yeah. bird was just like a tape recorder, was picking it up. Yeah. So it got worse profession. before it got better. You see. Well, yeah, my next visit to the home um again i was a little uncertain (laughs) what you know the situation was and my aunt they let me stay in a a, a bedroom downstairs okay where i should have been to begin with but anyhow uh i was very nervous as you can imagine again they go to bed a bit dark so by the time i got there in these older homes they they don't have a a lamp in the center of the ceiling if they got a a lamp on a you know bedside table or something you know Yes. So the rooms are poorly lit, that's so what I'm getting at, and I don't see real good in the dark anyhow. And the beds, you know, it's these the, the type of beds they had these uh, yeah. of that era, they have, uh, they put for some reason 15 cushions on them, you know, the bed, the large beds with the cushions. And so I began pulling these cushions off and throwing them in a chair before I was going to go to bed. And at the time, I'm I'm looking around for any sign of a demon that I can find, any yeah. reason to leave. Okay, because <laughs> I was ready to go stay at a motel. The first sign, and you know, I, I felt like I'd done my part. <laughs> yeah. But as I got down to the last cushion, a scream it 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 screamed and leaped into it was a cat.
4: Oh, okay.
2: The cat was the same color as the cushions. The cat mm-hmm. laid their emotions. I had no idea. I was looking around when I grabbed it because you can imagine and that cat leaped straight up into the air. Uh, you know, uh, that was like, okay, Lord, I understand now. Okay. It wasn't my doing. Okay. And uh, my my statement was, I'm going to, I'm going to lay down this bed. I'm going to close my eyes and the devil himself gets on the end of this bed and start, I'm not going to open my eyes. I'm just turning it over to you. Okay. Mm. So yeah. I, I guess I learned my lesson, but it was a, I don't think that was a coincidence and that, that, that burnt orange colored cat was among those burnt orange colored cushions and it laid there motionless until I grabbed it and then it leaped straight up into the air, so. But it was a real cat. Solitary, it was a real cat. Yeah. It wasn't a cushion, it was a real cat. Solid and, you know, what about, and it was in the middle of those cushions. Of course, as I'm throwing the cushion, I'm looking around the room, I'm not looking. And I grabbed it, it leaped into the air. And so I thought I, you know, I had the devil himself then, By the I didn't know what was, but
1: anyhow. And the cat, the cat belonged to the house.
2: It was, but it was odd.
1: That would, that would scare me too. Yeah. Especially when you're already in that mindset, things like that start to scare you. Your, Your new book, Deception by Design, in that, in that book, do you make a case that we should regard these phenomena as malevolent that would appeal to people that, that aren't, already committed to the biblical interpretation. Is there something there that people could get at to help them uh, come to your view that these things are should be avoided entirely?
2: You just described the first chapter. Okay. Um, I do that. Um, I, um, It's demon spirits and ghosts. And I give a biblical okay. interpretation. And you got to understand that the average Christian is, is totally confused about this. It isn't taught. Okay. And I, I actually go into more explanation than, than anybody's ever done before, as far as I know, uh, because the Bible does, uh, Jesus speaks, Jesus speaks a lot about demon spirits. But yes, in fact, he speaks more about demons than he does about angels. But you don't see anything in the Bible about uh, hauntings, haunted homes. Uh, you, you see what I'm saying? You don't have a real clear I mean D- Jesus cast demons out of people right and even pigs <laughs> in one scene but there's no reference to homes uh, haunted homes okay so I have to make uh, as you said I have to relate this to you know my interpretation that if you have a haunted home you have a demon and what mm-hmm. I have found um I've had a lot of people come to me after I did my interview with Art Bell and I began speaking about this that people that I'd known, some of them for quite a while, and tell me about their true hauntings, but they would not, these are Christians now, and they would not speak, it. They, 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 uh, they would never speak of this outside the family, you see. Mm, yeah. And they didn't know what they were dealing with. In, in in one case, I knew I met a lady, they built a beautiful home in the country, brand new home, their dream home, and they they left it because it was so haunted. And these were Christians who never knew they had authority over these entities. they didn't use their authority Uh, i call it ghost baiting what they'll do is they'll mimic a ghost and it may be let's say you bought an older home uh in no case is the same but this is you see this uh oftentimes uh where maybe a little girl died in the home 100 years ago and the family that buys the home moves into it begins seeing the ghost of this little girl they do the research and exactly it's exactly like looks exactly like a little girl that died in the home 100 years ago yeah. Well, that sets what you, you want to communicate, you naturally want to communicate with this spirit. Mm. Well, when you do that, you're opening the door to demonic. Sure. It's, it's, it's bait is what it is. I'm going to share something with you that uh, in the first chapter that this is Jesus refers to here. Now, this is something new. Nobody's ever, to my knowledge, in the Christian theologians have ever, ever uh, noticed this before. It says here in Matthew 12, 43, now this is Jesus speaking. He says, when a, when the, the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through, uh, well, actually, let me get there. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. When it go, comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking, in other words, it seeks- Deserts. Arid. Now, that doesn't make any sense to me. To write this book, I said, I've got to know the meaning of that. And I prayed about it and prayed about it, and about three o'clock one morning, I got the answer. The answer I got was, it's a mild mistranslation. Instead of arid, it means non-living. Remember, the human body or any body is mostly water. So if a spirit comes out of a man, an evil spirit is cast out of a man, it seeks a non-living environment. Okay, even one translation, uh, the SEV translation when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest but finds none. so for the for the time being. It takes up residence in a home what's I mean you know a non living environment now, if you're familiar with a researcher and I'm, this David Pilatus. He has written yeah. a number of books amazing research he has done missing 411 books. Yes. Okay. He's been on the uh, coast to coast on several interviews. I've heard him numerous times. And one of the times, I think on the first interviews he did, he mentioned that uh, the uh, American Indians would warn settlers to avoid rocky outcropping areas with rocky outcroppings because they were evil spirits there. He has found that these people that disappear inexplicably oftentimes disappear In areas where there's rocky outcroppings. Mm. What's more non-living than a rocky outcropping?
4: That's true. Yeah.
2: So there seems to be possibly a a explanation for, again, when unclean spirits have gone out of the person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. They go there, Mm. time they seek rest, and then at some point they you know they possess a person or or whatever. They, you know, they go back on. Uh, in full mode, you know, <laughs> full yeah. attack mode. But it, it claims they seek rest in waterless places. They vacation in in, in non-living environments. I guess yeah. you could say. Nobody has ever, to my knowledge, ever pointed that out. And um, and so, you know, that may. I think that explains why you commonly find these demonic entities in homes. Yeah. In haunted homes. But in my experience, I have, I have never seen uh, anybody with a haunted home uh, come out on top unless they rebuke it in the name of Jesus. So okay. that's, yeah. that's my
1: experience. Uh, What's interesting to me the most about all of this is you're adding a lot to uh, the idea of demons. So I, I've heard you talk about the idea that it's tempor- it can be temporally bound. Right. It, the bell witch ha- had to leave for some time, right? It was physically bound. And uh, the idea that it could be uh, sanctioned by God is a new category of demons. You're adding a lot to, I guess, demonology.
2: Uh, at any point in time, he, ha- he has control over the, over the Satan and his fallen angels at, at, at all times. Yeah. But normally, I guess you could say they're free to run, but he can snatch yeah. one up and use it for his accord. But it has to fit within the biblical again the 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 bell witch the spirit known as the bell yeah. witch and by the way the reason it was known as the bell witch the the slaves uh, they labeled it a witch on day one uh, that's their term It was their terminology for demon my understanding okay. is and yeah. the bell family that and that's how that name stuck the bell witch now the okay. uh, the white folks were like debating what is this on day 1 they knew what it was there was no debate among them yeah. <laughs> they knew exactly what it was okay right I mean, their yeah. their plan was to stay away from it as much as possible so yeah. that was a pretty smart
1: <laughs> anyhow um and is that the advice that you would give to anyone out there even people who who don't share the biblical perspective to stay away from these
2: things well uh, yes but you can't always do that i mean if you buy a home you know you, you hear the story all the time you watch these paranormal shows these testimonies where people will say well i couldn't move i've invested all my money in this home it may be a single mother or whatever their their finances just don't allow them to go buy another and they in a lot of cases they got a really good deal on it to begin Mm -hmm. with because the people that sold it knew there was a problem there (laughs) you know they they, a lot of times they'll find that out afterwards you know well uh you know the people that lived here before moved out pretty quickly Uh, but it's also interesting to note uh, that Christians will say quite often, well, I don't believe in ghosts. Well, you really don't have an option if you claim to be a Christian because Jesus acknowledged uh, ghostly entities. And I'm going to read from you here a verse. Now, this is Jesus I see re- after he resurrected, and this is uh, uh, from Luke twenty-four thirty-six through 39. Jesus, I'm quoting Jesus, Oh, well, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, okay, Jesus said, peace be with you. They were startled in front. And these were his apostles. They were startled thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? Why do, why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. In other words, he's acknowledging a ghost. He's differentiating himself from a ghost. They were scared Mm. to death because they knew if you saw a ghost, it was a demon. They didn't think they were seeing Jesus. They thought it Mm. was a ghost mimicking Jesus, which would have been a Mm. demon, you see. That's why they were so terrified. But here, Jesus, he doesn't rebuke them for believing in ghosts, is what I'm saying. Yeah, that's a good point. He doesn't rebuke them. And this had happened before uh, in another verse where Jesus uh, walked across the water uh, and and uh they thought it was a ghost here we have in matthew 14 25 jesus went out to them walking on the lake he's walking literally on the water when the disciples when the disciples saw him walking on the lake they were terrified naturally they would be yeah and and there's this is the quote it's a ghost they said and cried out to in fear but jesus immediately immediately said to them take courage it is i don't be afraid again he didn't rebuke them yeah. they cried out it's a ghost Jesus, if, you, if you're familiar with the scriptures, he would have rebuked them, you fools. How many times have I told you there's no such thing as ghost? He's acknowledging right. the existence of ghosts. Wait, so doesn't that imply that the biblical perspective
1: is compatible with the existence of ghosts, which you deny. You say they're only demons.
2: They're real, but they're not really ghosts. When I mean, I'm saying the entities are real, what we call a yeah. ghost is real. But okay. in my, my uh, biblical perspective of it, they're always demon spirits mimicking, mm, okay. it, mimicking. Yeah, it. they can take okay. on forms, you see. And keep okay. in mind, they know, um, uh, they know the past. They know, in order to be buying old home, they know a hundred years ago that that a child died in that home, and they'll mimic exactly that, that person, and they'll even yeah. be, they'll even you know they'll, they'll and I say even the dress will be the same. And let me give you a okay. specific example. One of the most extreme cases that I that I uh, ran into. Uh Upper East Tennessee in a mountainous area. It's a, it's a remote area. Uh, where a friend of mine has land and we used to go up there hunting. Uh the lady that, that has a place up there told me a, there was a that one time while she was up on this knoll, it was a beautiful knoll and you can see for fifty miles, beautiful spot. And yeah. she said while she was working, she was planting some flowers and she was by herself, and she looked up and on the little knoll was a young Cherokee boy. Uh because the cherokees lived in that area and he had even the tomahawk he was full dress even had a tomahawk you know and it was real i mean it was this is daylight yeah. and she said she assumed they were shooting a movie or something it, they they're not far from the north carolina line They They shoot a lot of movies in that area and she just assumed it was this was an actor and she something there she turned her hand for a second she looked back and then he was gone and she walked up to where he was and there there was nobody there i mean there was no he just disappeared and she knew what she saw and so that evening by coincidence the man whose family m- had moved there during the civil war they they left north carolina to come to that area to get away from the war uh they had been told and this story had been handed down generation after generation the people that previously lived there when they got there that there was a young cherokee killed on that exact spot a young teenage boy there was a dispute and he was killed there on that spot yeah. so you know naturally she's thinking well this is you know anybody you would well that's you know this this is a christian woman who would never engage in a seance or anything because she knows you're not but Here's the spirit of a little boy, so naturally you're gonna to want to communicate with it. You know, there's, they lure you into that communication and you're not even aware that you're doing anything that you shouldn't do. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, it's very deceptive. Absolutely. It's very deceptive. Yeah. And, I, and in the worst case, of probably the most deceptive case was Aledia, a girl I met at a Christian conference. I think she was from Georgia. Her grandfather had just died her grandmother, and she said her mind was good, was seeing her dead husband come to her at night, mm. and he would even say her name. He would speak to her, and she kept telling her grandmother, "said Grandma, that's that's a demon. That's that's not grand, That's not your husband. That's not grandfather." And finally, the grandmother admitted that when he when he would state her name, he would state her actual birth name, which the grandmother hated and she never used her real name. Mm. So it was just enough. And she realized, and, and, and when she rebuked it in the name of Jesus, it never came back. But no. you can see how deceptive here is, an elderly woman who's just lost yeah. her husband and there he's appearing at night and he's speaking yeah. your name. Yeah. You see, but but once you begin, you open up, you converse with them, then you just open that door. And that's why you'll see on these paranormal shows they'll say well the first one is the is this is the spirit of the dead person that died here and these others are demons you see that all the time yeah the first one's the bait the first one's a demon too it's just the bait it's a lure okay yeah you see but if, if, if you can if you look it from the biblical and you study these you'll see they fall into this okay you know that's you know that's my uh, interpretation the bible works yeah. every time <laughs> and but but here's when i first got into this this book was going to be basically on hauntings i quickly realized that the the big show is the ufo alien agenda
4: yes absolutely
2: the forget the hauntings the right. the, the big the big deal and it's escalating every every day now yeah. and i have talked to three actually there were more there was six witnesses, but three different occasions where people yeah. witnessed UFOs. One of them I told you about the, the one, the lady in broad daylight. Oh, and by the way, that, that one that occurred, uh, the lady that I know that I told you about that had the UFO, but it was a triangular yeah. levitating above her home in broad okay. daylight. And she said, if you were on the house, you could touch it. Okay. Yeah. This was in the early nineties and it was in upper East Tennessee in the Kingsport area. And she didn't know this, but there were so many of those sightings taking place that Unsolved Mysteries went there to film the episode. Yeah. I saw it. Uh, She didn't know that. She actually got on the phone and called the local airport, and she told them to tell the military that she found their craft. She thought it was experimental craft that had gone Uh, astray, and it just wound up, it just ended up over her house. Yeah. She she actually called. To this day, I'm sure they're still talking about that crazy lady that called. Yeah. So.
4: That's funny. (laughs)
2: she she just thought it had to be a military craft she just but she said it was, yeah it made no noise that's what impressed her she couldn't understand how this craft could be levitating above her home but the military yeah. doesn't doesn't test uh the craft uh lighter than aircraft over your home five feet above your house right <laughs> there was, yeah.
1: but um so the UFOs, i mean why think that they're demonic couldn't they just be literal extraterrestrials
2: if you, if you read john be- i mean uh, uh john killsworth who i think is the greatest paranormal research that ever lived. This man was brilliant and he did his homework. What impressed me was he went to visit people in their homes. He didn't do it over the internet or over the phone. Well, he did do interviews on the phone. But when he wrote his book, before he wrote the book uh, uh, Trojan Horse, uh, Operation Trojan Horse in 1970, uh, he actually traveled in over, I think 20 states and he met face to face with people in their living rooms and sat down with them. And once they see you're not there to ridicule or make fun of them, they would open up to you, you know? Yeah. And he was evidently was an easy person to talk to. And he quickly came to the conclusion that they're not extraterrestrials. He called them ultra terrestrial, ultra uh, terrestrials. Right. And he said they're, they're paraphysical entities. And his it's it's, it's summation was they're just a, slight variation of an age-old demological, uh, you know, uh, present manifestations. And what I have found is the most intriguing to me is, and Dr. Jacques Jacques Vallée first uh, introduced this, and Keel touches on it, that the entities, the occupants of the UFOs behave very similar to the little people of Celtic folklore. Mm-hmm. Very similar. Yes. And uh, when he first published his book, um, with that uh, uh, hypothesis in 1969, it didn't go over well with the UFO crowd because they thought they were he was making fun of them. You know?
3: Yeah.
2: And so, but he he came to the conclusion that they're paraphysical entities, and others researchers, but. That didn't go over with the UFO crowd. They didn't, they want to believe that they're extraterrestrials. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, and one of the most intriguing stories, and I start the first chapter out because my agent said, you need to start your book out with one of your uh, true life stories that are uh, tantalizing, okay? So a friend of mine, a college buddy, acknowledged to me, said this is the first time I've ever told anybody. It was a childhood experience he had. He lived here in East Tennessee, just uh, down the road from Knoxville and when he was nine years old one night his parents were both asleep he began to hearing strange noises humming noise outside his house in the backyard mm-hmm. and then he saw a a uh like a searchlight like from a helicopter in the yard yeah and then he began to hear voices like he described them as uh, like in the world war ii movies like japanese soldiers you know, yeah. they, they weren't speaking English, and he couldn't distinguish what they were saying, but they were sort of guttural type, you know, the the way they, the Japanese soldiers were, were portrayed in the movies. And what's interesting is he had a, a, a cage, I think it was like a three-tier cage uh, stacked on top of each other. There's three separate cages with separate animals in each cage in the backyard. Well... He went to the blinds, and he was scared, the sliding glass door. They were yeah. translucent, and he could see kind of the entities, and he got so scared he ran back to his bedroom and pulled the sheet over his head. Uh, and then he began hearing his animals screaming.
4: Yeah.
2: And he was he was too afraid to do anything, you know, he, until the next morning. Well, the next morning at the daylight, he ran out there. The pet cage had been toppled. And mm. this is the interesting part. The It had a lock on it. But he said the latch had been seared as if a laser had seared it, mm. and all of the pets were gone—the guinea pigs, and uh, he had some other pets that I've forgotten what they were. But uh, the only the only pet that remained was one, as he described, disheveled duck remained. And the duck had had a hard night. You could you could tell. <laughs> no telling yeah. what that duck had seen. The duck was a lucky survivor. Never saw a trace of his animals again, oh. but even more mysterious in the yard where that's what he called like a, what he described as a searchlight from a helicopter, a UFO. There was a round circle, what they used to call a fairy ring that our ancestors did, it was burnt into the grass and it, it would never grow grass again. Mm. And his father for years would try to plant grass in that circle. Yeah. It would never grow grass again. But he was traumatized by it, and he had never told anybody until he told me. So this parallels with the fairies, with the accounts yes. of the little people. They would take, yeah. they would take animals, uh, they would take people, and the uh, uh, the people back then were absolutely terrified of them, for good reason. Yeah. But they were known to flee if you invoke the name of Jesus. Once again. Uh, we see we see a pattern developing here, uh, mm-hmm. you know what they do is John Keel said they tailor themselves to the times. Yeah. Y- you see, it was it was elves and fairies and leprechauns and you know you, there was a hundred different names. You could go the next county over and there'd be a different brownies or whatever. Uh, they had different terms for the little people. You know, commonly yeah. known as the fairy folk. Yeah, but they, they tailor themselves uh, to the times. And what what's most effective today. Is a visiting aliens with technology. To save, the, 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 you know, presenting themselves as saviors. Uh, for example, I heard one lady that's prophetic said she received a message that something like this is going to happen. Uh, the grid goes out and they appear and reset the grid. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? And they would win a lot over. The grid goes out for whatever reason and the aliens reset the grid. Of course, you know, the aliens may be the ones who took it out, but right. you see what I'm saying? That would win a lot of people over. Yeah. That they're they're clearly positioning themselves as saviors. In other words, as God's angels. Whereas I believe and others that they're they're Satan's angels. Mm. Um simply. You know uh tailoring themselves to a a uh for a great setting up a great deception which jesus warns of jesus warns the deception yeah. is going to be so great in the last days that even the elect will be deceived if possible mm. you see and that right. the angelic realm is is going to be released upon the earth uh the the demonic realm to bef- in other words they're going to have more leadway. they're going to be unleashed and again, we go back to the bellwitch. The bell which serves as a warning. It demonstrates, again, that the, the demonic realm is real. Uh, or the spirit, let's just say the, the angelic realm, okay, is real. Yeah. And that uh, they come in two flavors. They come in angels and demons, and they have yeah. power to manifest solid objects. Manifesting a solid, I mean, fruit and that you can eat, that's impressive. Yes. That's very impressive. Uh, that's power when you can do that. So, and I don't know how familiar you are with the, the abduction uh agenda, the UFO alien abduction agenda. Yeah, but that is very, very intimidating. And uh it's not discussed in mainstream Christianity. It's it's you know, the whole UFO alien is off limits. There are yes. a few individuals like L.A. Marzulli, who has dedicated his, I guess, the last 20 years to exposing this. Mm-hmm. But uh, the average Christian is going to be totally deceived by this, and I'm hearing in the days to come, very shortly, we will all see them. You know, I know a yeah. number of people that have seen them. The average right. person has not seen one, but there will become a time in the near future where we'll all see them, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it will. It, it's going to take a lot of people, but the uh, yeah, according to the well, abduction agenda, they're they're mixing their blood. With human their dna to perform a hybrid race right which is what jesus warned of he said before his second coming it would be exactly as it was in the days of noah In the days of noah the fallen angels mixed their dna took women and mixed their dna to perform the Nephilim giants
4: yeah absolutely
2: so what we're you know the, the pieces all fit together if you view it from a biblical perspective it's together but here's what's so alarming I I, just the other day, I did a little research. There was a a massive UFO sighting in a rural area of Texas some year, I think 2008, I I may be wrong about the year, Steffensville or something like that, Texas. It was a rural area in Texas. And uh, there were over several hundred people saw these massive UFOs. One person was out hunting and it levitated above him. He was actually going to shoot at it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there, you know, the, the, the general population saw these things with their own eyes. L.A. Merzulli offered, there were about 15 churches in this rural area. Mm -hmm. He contacted each church and offered to come speak to them on this topic, you know, how to interpret this from a biblical. Not one of them invited him to come. Now Mm -hmm. this is after they've seen these, they still don't want to talk about this.
1: Yeah, do you understand that i don't fully because why can't uh, the christian community say well
2: they're demons like you do and i don't mean this to sound the wrong way but i kind of figured what i call the uh uh the baptist system okay now mm-hmm. i'm some of the best preachers i ever met are baptists okay so i don't mean to downplay yeah. it. i grew up baptist but it goes back to their their theologians their their um uh, their se- seminary schools they reject Genesis six, where the fallen angels, even though it says oh. clearly, they reject it. Really? Yes. Yeah. I've heard them say we don't we don't believe in that. And I'm wow. like, excuse me? If you yeah. claim to be a Christian, you have to believe the scriptures. You can't pick and choose. That's called heresy. Mm. They do not believe uh in Genesis six. They have okay. a, a perverted interpretation of it, I would say. And they don't they don't address the demonic realm. Now, they, you know, there's a lot of, generally speaking, okay. But now wait, Genesis 6
1: isn't the only place where demons are discussed, right? Isn't there, aren't they else? Also... When the fallen angels mixed their DNA,
2: they took women for wives and produced the That only the happens. Uh, well, the Bible says it'll happen again in, in the Old Testament, but then Jesus says it will be exactly like the days of Noah. And yeah. when he says that, he did not say, except for those Nephilim, okay? He, he doesn't, in other words, this all this demonic activity that went on back then and Jenna is going to, it's just going to come full circle. Okay. You see what I'm saying? But, but here's, here's what I, what I've the conclusion I've come to in the South where I grew up, there's churches everywhere. Okay. Everybody, when I grew up, everybody went to church. Yeah. Okay. Now that's not so much today, but when I grew up in the sixties and seventies, everybody went to church. Yeah. Okay. And in the South, you, you can, you can, you can talk about Jesus and how Jesus died on the cross for our sins and how we believe in Jesus we're forgiven and we go to heaven and nobody gets upset about that. That makes, Mm -hmm. even if you're not a believer, it makes everybody feel good. Mm -hmm. Nobody, nobody argues. I mean, that's okay. Yeah. Everybody's good with that. And they'll show up for church every Sunday. Okay.
4: Yeah.
2: But the moment you start talking about these demons and hell, okay yeah they get uncomfortable
4: with that Mm, okay
2: especially if they're living in sin (laughs) okay yeah okay you see what i'm saying it doesn't sell seats yeah and the first people to leave your church are the people with the big fat checkbooks yeah they're the generally speaking they're the first ones to leave when you start talking about demons yeah and i have found this out okay in fact a a, a a church that I went to when I lived in Mississippi, and this was a good man, a good preacher, and it was a beautiful big church. And he said, "I, I discussed this on the Bellwitch and all this, and, the, you know, and what I discussed with you about the demonic realm as being real." And he said, "You know, I'm I understand and I, I agree with you, and I would want to teach preach on that." But he yeah. said, I, "What I have found," and he's being perfectly honest. He said it falls there's 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 two groups of churchgoers it's it's evenly split about split about 50 50. he said the first 50 percent don't believe in that and they don't want to hear it they don't believe Mm. in the demon they don't want to hear that talk they think it's crazy talk uh he said the second half they believe in it but they're so afraid of it they don't want you to talk about it yeah so what he's saying is if i preach on it i'll have an empty church and yeah. I've got to sell so many seats every every week to to pay for this pretty church we built, right? So they yeah. build these big churches, yeah. Okay, and yeah, you know, yeah. you see, he, he's you know he's being honest. In reality, he should just go back and teach the scriptures and with a little smaller church. But he's been hired by this the people that built this big church, and they'll just fire him and hire somebody else because you know you see what I'm saying. Yes. So it's called the church system. And it's, 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 it's failing. Yes. And it's actually reached a point and I'm not going to mention his name, but he's a prominent Christian pastor from Texas. Very prominent. Mm -hmm. I've seen him on Fox news or used to quite often. And I really respected the man and I thought he was the model preacher. And I actually by coincidence happened to hear him say, he was preaching he was discussing the demonic the demons, and he said, After Jesus resurrected, they're no longer. They're negated. There's no such thing as demon possession. Uh, okay. Which is absolute heresy. Yeah, didn't the apostles cast demons out in the, the Acts? And also in um uh, in one of the the new one of the books when the um uh, Gospels of Luke, I think it is, or uh, anyhow, when Jesus resurrected and he 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 told the the apostles to go out and yeah. you have the power to cast out demons or whatever and
4: yeah. you know uh,
2: whatever you know you'll be given supernatural powers whatever uh, to spread the word. And he addressed that. He said, "Well, well, how do you you how do I explain that?" And he just said, "Well, he said if you look down here, there's a footnote. He said these scriptures are are, are should never been. They were they were added later or something. They should never been. In other words, I'm right, Bible yeah. wrong." Just erase the scriptures. Now, when I was growing up, those were called cultists. When the preacher says, I'm right, Bible wrong, they were called cultists. Yeah. Now they're okay. called prominent Baptist preachers. Mm. You see what I'm saying? See, once your Absolutely. theology starts going down that road, you see, this man's making big money. He's got probably the biggest church in, in Texas. Yeah. He's selling a lot of seats every Sunday. And he don't. if he starts talking about this demonic stuff, he's going to you know his business is going to, go to hell and hand nasty. Yeah. You see so what I'm saying? Yeah. So he just conveniently says, now this is nobody nobody w- would agree with him. He just said after uh Jesus resurrected he negated Satan and his demons. And that's 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 not what the Bible teaches. You can go all right. through the Bible and prove that wrong. But he this is on television now. This yeah. man is reaching millions of people. Yeah. And he's he's reached that degree of arrogance where You know it was mind-boggling to me but it but it it demonstrates where this baptist theology uh it started in the theology schools okay and um i've heard one prominent preacher say dr Uh, david jeremiah very prominent um, pastor who has a television show he did a couple years ago address this demonic realm and he and he said We've, we've, we've reached a point, where it's real, and we cannot pretend like we we must address it. And I always say they're only teaching half the Bible. What I do in this book, i would show you the other half of the Bible. But yeah. uh, he said when he graduated from uh, seminary school, he didn't even know that demons existed, much less what they could physically do, what they could do. Okay, yeah. Now, he didn't state which school he went to, but I looked it up, and that's where he graduated from at Dallas Seminary. Yeah. You see, so what they've yeah. done is, and it probably started out well-meaning, will focus on Jesus and the love of Christ, but it, they, they and they just sort of dropped or watered down the demonic the peaching on the demonic realm and Satan and the reality of Satan and hell. But now they've taken it to a, a point where it's it's reached where it's heretical, in my opinion. Yeah. You see, okay. and we're going to pay yeah. the price for it yeah Uh, because every time i I, every christian that's ever in fact all of the people that came to me were professing christians that that experienced haunted homes Mm. and and they were in almost every case there's a few exceptions they were defeated they never knew what they were dealing with because this had never been taught in their churches yeah and not one of them well there was a couple exceptions but other than several exceptions a handful not one of them went to their preacher and when I would yeah. ask them why did you not go to your preacher and the answer was always the same they would think we're crazy mm. and I want to tell you right quick the uh, the worst the most extreme case I've ever been told face to face yeah yeah this was in a home an antebellum home in Mississippi and this ties back mm-hmm. to the bell which I'm gonna get this house was built about 1800. Andrew yeah. Jackson stayed there it's on the, along the Natchez Trace close to Natchez yeah. he stayed there and we went to fought, fight the British yeah in this home and this home this same family has owned that home since it was built yeah and they didn't speak to me about this until I started talking about the bellwitch then they started opening up about what their problems yeah and uh, they eventually had a uh, Episcopal priest exercise the home. Uh, but that can, or, you know, a priest or a preacher can only do so much if the people living there don't, you know, address the situation. Right. You know, they can, you know, it's, it goes back to who lives in the home. But anyhow, I asked him, I said, what's the, 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 well, the younger son who was more open about it. I asked him, uh, we were at the hunting camp one weekend and I asked him, I said, was, I was getting ready to leave, go back to Jackson. I was riding with somebody else. I said, in a nutshell, tell me the worst thing you ever saw, you experienced in that home.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And he said, as a little boy, and I get the feeling he had never told the story before, because he was very, I could tell, it was he was becoming very upset just discussing it, very nervous, and it was like he was reliving it. And he told me that he and his brother, who, was also there at the time, I knew well. His older brother, they always slept in the same bed because they were always afraid. They were always hearing strange noises at night. And he said one night he heard a, a noise in the hallway, like a thumping sound. And his brother, he couldn't wake him up. So he, and I'm guessing he was maybe nine or 10 or something like that, 11. He went to the door to look down the hallway, and when he did, his attention was drawn to a painting, an old, old painting on the wall. Yeah. And the painting was, the way he described it, was three men sitting at a table playing poker, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. And I'll give you the backstory. He said, first, he said he had asked his grandmother, where did that painting come from? It's just kind of an odd painting. I'm assuming it came from out of New Orleans because they used to uh, put their goods on a... Flatboats and floating down to New Orleans and sell the goods and then come yeah. back up the trace to Natchez. But anyhow, that area. Anyhow, she said, when I was a little girl, I asked my grandmother the same thing. And she said, it's just always been here. Mm. So this painting went back a long time. Anyhow, he's drawn to the painting. There's like it's like it was vibrating or it was a like thump, it was moving or something. It's like it was making a thumping sound. And he's shaking at this point as he's telling the story. Yeah. He's so upset telling, reliving the story. He said, as he's looking at the painting, one of the men in the painting stood up, okay? And he said, he stepped out of the painting. Oh, no. And he walked in the opposite direction down the hallway until he just went into the dark. And naturally, I'm trying not to laugh. Now, he's upset. And, I, you know, I just couldn't help it. I mean, it, it was—it seemed funny to me.
4: Yeah.
2: yeah. But it wasn't funny to him at all. And he said, no, no, it's, uh, it, it, this really happened. He said, yeah. I can show you the painting. His chair is there. His cards are there. But he's yeah. not there. He left. Yeah. He said, I saw him leave. So that was about the most extreme. Yeah testimony I ever heard. And this was a very honest person. He was, I never saw the painting, but the painting is still there in the home. Yeah. It's just one man short. So. <laughs> that's,
1: that's a wild story.
2: I'm assuming that painting came out of New Orleans a lot of bad stuff out of New Orleans. Sure. And there was just a demon attached to it. And yeah. they do attach themselves to furniture. I've heard this time and time again, mm. uh, where they attach, you know, you'll go to a, a sale or something old, a home sale or something, you'll, they'll, they'll bring an old piece of furniture that looks really cool into the home and the home becomes yeah. haunted, okay? Yeah. They've never had any problems before. I've heard yeah. this story over and over again. So if they can, you know, take up residence in a home or a uh, rocky area, I guess they could take up residence temporarily in a piece of furniture. But,
1: Upholstery, geist is yeah, yeah. Up. Upholstery geist is what Scott Adams calls it. Uh,
2: I and, and they also on that farm, it was a plantation. It was a large... They had about 1,000 acres on this uh, plant, old plantation. And there was a couple and their son, adult son, that were deer hunting. And the mother was in a in a deer blind in a stand. Mm-hmm. It was like a tree house in the middle of a field. And for some reason, I never knew why it was painted white. I don't know why. But anyhow, in this area, believe it or not, is actually hilly. It's It's very... Uh, unusual topography for mississippi it was formed during the ice age it's actually hilly like east tennessee but it's uh and it's uh but it's covered in a uh, cane thickets yeah. and uh kind of spooky but anyhow they were coming back in a jeep at dusk to to pick mom up yeah well i'll tell her her story was 30 minutes before they got there from the west towards the mississippi river she saw a a, a object. UFO type object yeah, slowly moving towards her. And it's, and when it got to her, it positioned itself directly over her and it just became stationary. She's looking up at it now. She's watching this thing. Yeah. In other words, like it was, it was coming to her. I mean, it, it just, you know, when it got to her, it stopped. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the father and son are coming to pick her up immediately. They see it. It's, it's, it was, you know, maybe 20 or 30 feet above her you know it wasn't high and you know it's very low over her stand and uh they're up on the hilltop kind of le- almost level with her and and they were going to shoot it they yeah. they take the rifles out across the hood and on the count of three they were going to shoot <laughs> i yeah. kid you not probably not a good idea but anyhow <laughs> before they shot it just zoom it just It went back in the same direction but in just a split second
4: okay yeah
2: so i've heard those similar stories on uh uh, paranormal shows on ufos and similar type where they'll just zip you know in a nanosecond you know either up into the heavens or where they came from back to where they came from so at the time that was the first time i'd ever heard a ufo story i wish now i would have asked questions i was just you know this is before i got into this i didn't know what to think. And I didn't ask any questions, so now I would have interviewed these people and gotten everything down. I didn't know what yeah. to think. I'd never heard a story like that before. So, yeah. Um, and then the the third UFO encounter was uh, in the same general area. It was, it was around Natchez, Mississippi, which is down the road from Port Gibson, about 30 miles. And I think this yeah. was actually across the river in Louisiana, just across from Natchez. But this was a plantation that a couple owned, and it was on a new year's eve 2010 it was a beautiful night and they're in a convertible and they're going out and this is you know they're in a lonely darkened plantation there's no houses anywhere around yeah and the 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 road to the highway is about 100 yards long and at the end of the road uh there always is down there for some reason a couple of pecan pecan trees okay you know parallel the road and uh they saw a massive ufo they've described i think it was circular with rotating lights and it was at least 100 yards long and mm-hmm. it's just right above the pecan trees it's at treetop level yeah and they watched it they're in a convertible now so they just stopped the car and watched for at least five minutes or so and, yeah you know and then they watched it just in a nanosecond, just zip up into the stars. Yeah. And shortly afterwards, Air Force jets began making search. No. Yeah.
1: Maybe they were looking for it. Yeah.
2: Now, but this thing, it literally went, is they described back to the star. I mean, just from where it came from. So, uh, very impressive sightings. And these are, these are
1: credible people. Oh yeah. There's all kinds of stuff. I mean, the Pentagon is capturing footage of it now.
2: Yeah. So even our local congressman here in Knoxville is—he was talking about disclosure, and he's buying oh. to it that they're extraterrestrials. Yeah, is your—is it? It's not Tim Burchard, yes.
1: is it? He, he's. Oh, I just saw him on um, TV. He was just talking about how he wants the Pentagon to cooperate with Congress to create a new unit to investigate.
2: Yeah, and I have to think this is this isn't just his doing. I mean, there's there's more. Oh yeah.
1: Kirsten Gillibrand is behind it. Uh, and then there's a lot of people in the UFO community.
2: There are people in high levels of government that are... He didn't come up with this idea on his own is what I'm saying. You oh, know? no. And, you know, this is right here in Knoxville now. And yeah. I can assure you, he grew up, like me, going to a Baptist church. Okay. Yeah. He's from West Knoxville. Uh, went to high school. It was, to, it was a rival school, my high school. And uh, so this is close to home now. It's everywhere. Yeah. So, uh, but... I'm sure you've probably you're familiar with the professor at, uh, is it Temple University, uh, David Jacobs, that's done the research it, on the alien abduction. No, I know John Mack's work. He wrote
1: the book back in uh, I think the '80s. John Mack, and
2: uh, he was the Harvard's I think it was Harvard psychiatrist. Yeah, I've, I've, yeah, and they knew each other well. Jacobs, though. Um, He takes a different angle. He's probably the most knowledgeable man on earth on the UFO abduction phenomena. And the book you must read is called The Threat. Uh, I think that book came out in the 90s. Uh, He began investigating UFOs in the the early 60s. And this is a very intelligent man, and he's worked with these uh, abductees. And he's very, very... uh, threatened by this he's now he doesn't view this from a christian perspective he's just viewing it from his work with the abductees and what the agenda is and it's it's it doesn't look good for planet earth (laughs) Uh, now this here's the here's the dilemma here here's a man with the same intellect as john keel and has dedicated his life to investigating this and has documented this this paranormal this this type of phenomena. Yeah. They've got the facts, but they don't have the answer. They don't have Jesus. Okay. Okay. Now this is what I'm dealing with. Yes. You got one poll over here. They like that. Now the church used to in the medieval or whatever in European, the Catholic church used to investigate and document all this stuff. I know in the right. old, in the olden days in medieval days, yeah. scholars, scholars would study this. They, and they would, you know, it was part of the, Church curriculum, I guess you could say. But anyhow, they had intellectuals that documented all this. So here we got the situation. We got we got paranormal researchers that are, that are very uh, knowledgeable and have done their homework and have yeah. documented this, but they don't have the, the solution. You've got the church, the American church, they've got the solution, but they don't do demons. Mm. They don't have nothing to do. So this is my dilemma in my book. See, I'm fighting both. The church system to some degree, and then I'm, the others are like, well, they don't understand the biblical or they, if, you know, they don't, if you don't accept Jesus Christ as Lord and believe in the Bible, then you're not going to accept my interpretation naturally. So, so here I am, I'm in the middle and in this book, I take both beams and I cross them together The knowledge they have. And then I, you know, place that on top of the, the biblical understanding interpretation, yeah. you see, and I saw the dilemma, but I'm fighting both. It's you remember the, in the movie, uh, uh Ghostbusters, <laughs> the greatest yeah. movie ever, ever. right? <laughs> greatest concept anybody ever came up with. Brilliant. Uh, but there's a scene where they encountered a, a very, uh, a, a, a worse, you know, they, they positioned them in the movie. The take on it was the ghost were demonic. Really. Okay. Um, uh, Anyhow, they came across a more a powerful one and it required cross, crossing the beams. They had to cross the beams. Yeah, Rosa, okay. Yeah, it was, a, it was a kind of a dangerous technique. Well, that's yeah. what I'm doing. I'm crossing the, the two opposite poles, yeah. you see. I'm having to cross the poles, but it's very difficult, you see. Because yeah. when I speak, I offend both at the same time. Absolutely. <laughs> but, I, but I'm but I'm I'm looking at it from a biblical under and, and when you when you when you address all this from a biblical, it all fits. Yes. I mean
1: so the non-Christian view that I think that John Keel and Jacques Vallée had was the sort of <clears throat> trickster, the trickster, they're trickster control beans. They have some sort of... Well, he even came of, out and called them to...
2: demonic. I mean, he, the thing about John yeah. Keel was, here's, what he, here's what's interesting about John Keel. He, he, yeah. he must have been a very unusual person, very yes. likable person and very intelligent. But he said he states up front in his book, what differentiates me, differentiates me from other UFO investigators is I've read the Bible from cover to cover more than once. Mm-hmm. So he says, I know the Bible. Yeah. Okay. And okay. then he concludes they're just a a a slight variant of an age old demological problem. Huh? Well, I don't know. With Kiel,
1: I didn't think Keel was Christian. I always he's not. I he's his... not.
2: That's what I'm saying. But yeah, even Keel okay. said, okay, you look at it from a biblical, that's, that's the only way you can explain them. But no. Yeah, okay. You, you see what I'm saying? So he came to the conclusion that it's, they're 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 shapeshifters. They're they're paraphysical yeah. entities. He said yeah. they're not extraterrestrials. They they they're for one thing, they're they're very real, but they're liars. And people yes. the contactees always their lives are destroyed. It, it, up front they may benefit, but their yeah. lives are destroyed eventually. Yeah. But one of the most significant things that Kiel said, that, 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 that's so, to me, telling, he said what he found was, and see, he was investigating the whole spiritual realm, the spiritists, the people that, uh, in the practicing the occult, you know, uh, yeah. conjuring mediums and all that. And he lived in New York City, so evidently there was a lot of them there in the area. He didn't have to go far to investigate. But he said, what yeah. he found is, this, in the spiritual community, the prophecies that they are given, And sometimes they they come off exactly as they're given. Usually what happens is they'll tell you truth and they lie to you on that. They win your confidence and they lie and they Yeah, so truth's and a lie. That's their game. What's amazing is, is that the the prophecies given by the UFO contactees, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay, even when they didn't come off, they were worded exactly. They were exactly the same and they were even worded the same. Mm -hmm. Yes. So they're getting the information's coming from the same source. Those conjuring up spirits, and and this is another thing that killed documents, this has been completely lost in modern Christianity. You went back a hundred years ago, they would have seances, starting from about the time of the Civil War, or right before the Civil War. Christians
1: were having seances. Yeah,
2: yeah. everybody was having seances, because you lost so many people in the Civil War, people wanted to talk to their dead loved ones. you can see how a mother, how that would be tempting. You know, she's lost her son, okay. There was so much. Yeah. And so uh, uh, the clergy was investigating these things. They would go to investigate some of these, uh, the real ones. Now, a lot of them were fake, but they're ones that were real. And and, yeah. and Kiel gave documentation where, and these were with witnesses, credible, and scientists too. Scientists yeah. were involved in it. I mean, they, they had an open mind towards the spiritual realm back then. And these entities would sometimes materialize.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You, mm-hmm. you wouldn't just hear yeah. a voice, you know. Yeah. And sometimes the voice would speak through the medium, but they would actually materialize in front of you.
1: Or actoplasm.
2: Yeah, and that you could another. touch them. You could actually touch yeah. them. One person yeah. he gives an account actually did, and it just sort of faded away, and then he it came back. Uh, but these these entities are real, mm-hmm. and they the their appearance generally is a Middle Eastern appearance. The features and they 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 look Middle Eastern, Yeah. okay. Like they're biblical. Uh, well, he he found out that the, the the, the entities associated with UFOs have the same appearance.
1: Even oh you yeah, uh, men in
2: black are sometimes yeah the men in black as being, yeah, it, it well, described
1: as being vaguely Asian uh, according to Keel. Huh.
2: I'm and, trying to think about and usually the- long fingers. That's another characteristic. Okay. They have unusually yeah. long fingers. Okay. So, but it's inconceivable today to the average preacher, probably, that just a hundred years ago or a little more, yeah, seances were occurring where there were clergy and scientists there documenting these entities. Yeah. That would materialize. Right. You see. And um uh, Skill himself visited our our participated in some of these. Yeah. He went as a scoffer, he claims. Okay. But he said he has, he has to admit he was, he saw things he couldn't explain.
3: Yeah.
2: You know, he was a skeptic. He started out a skeptic and he he claimed to be an atheist. So here we have a man, I guess you could say he was a neutral party. He'd read the Bible from cover (laughs) to cover more than once. Uh, But he claims to be an atheist. But he, but he, but he also claimed that's what differenti, it differentiated me from other UFO investigators. I knew the Bible. Yeah. So, you know, but his conclusion was they're paraphysical, and they're just uh, a new variant of an age-old demological problem.
1: I mean, there's some of his works where he tries to give a kind of a sci-fi account of what they're doing.
2: Have to look yeah. at it from every angle.
1: Right, that's yeah, what he, I try to do on the show. Yeah, he, he's
2: he's an intellectual. I mean, he, he's open-minded intellectual, I guess you could say.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, uh, uh, but again, his research just validated everything I believe. You see, his research validated the biblical view of this. I believe. Uh, I quote him yeah. throughout my book. In fact, this book is a tribute to John Keel. I mean, that's awesome. And yeah. I've. I f I've I've finalized this book. Well, let me let me say this: the first chapter is on I explain the biblical understanding of ghost spirits and demons. I've have, I have given yeah. just a basic, as I told you. The the next three chapters are on the bewitch, because I think it, it it demonstrates the reality of this and the and yeah. what they can do. And then the next three chapters to understand the UFOs, you have to know the history of UFOs. Yeah. Okay, and and I focus just on America. Uh, okay, and and I there's what I call three, there was three waves. The yeah. first wave was in the 1890s for about three months. I think it was yeah. like 1898. UFO yeah. sightings and landings in America. Then the next the next wave was the uh 1940s up until um up until about the uh, about the eighties. 1980s. Yeah. That's the second wave. Yeah. And the third wave is from 1980 until current. And they these entities uh evolved. The, the the central yeah. theme is the same, but you see, initially they were flying saucers in the 1940s. Okay, uh, by the 1980s, you didn't see saucers anymore. You began yeah. to see triangular craft. In the the second wave in America of UFO sightings yeah. started in the 1940s, right after World War II. And, and and what I the reason I differentiate that is that they were mostly discs. Not always. Sometimes they would be um, cigar shaped, but yeah. most sightings were. Where uh, disc in America, anyhow, and Keel points this out. They're always crashing and burning, <laughs> time after time. They're crashing.
1: Yeah, they always crash. Yeah. Yeah.
2: There's something wrong with this. They come all this way. They they have the superior technology. When they get here, they just can't quite. I don't know. They can't navigate. They just crash into a mountain or something. I don't. You know. Yeah. And his his spin on this is these are deliberate to establish the re- the reality of their, their nuts and bolts crafts from outer space. Mm-hmm. Okay. You, you see, they're they're, yeah. they're, they're, establishing a, a, uh, credibility of yeah. extraterrestrials. But, okay. but as I pointed in my book, that's not going to work in the long run because nobody's going to worship aliens that, that are crashing.
1: <laughs> sure. Well, unless we're all materialists, right? And like we think that the they're physical creatures from another planet, and they're so enlightened. Yeah, they're so enlightened, right? and
2: they they have I mean, superior yeah. technology. But if they're crashing all the time, there's something wrong, flawed with their technology. You, you oh, see? right. You see what I'm saying? It, yeah. This was a this was a ruse. In other words, is what Kill says, and off and he said off, he said there's countless reports where people would um, just encounter them on the long side of the road somewhere in some isolated, and they'd be parked on the road, next to the road, like they're working on their craft, and they're surprised they jump in and fly off. In other words, they're making some repairs, okay? It's to establish that they're real beings from outer space that are traveling here in physical craft. It's a spacecraft. Now, when we get to the 80s, everything changes. We shift gears to the triangular craft. What's the first thing that you notice in the triangular craft reports? They never crash. They never crash and burn. To my knowledge, there's never been it's since the 80s on, at least it's not been, you just don't see the, the triangular craft, they're impressive. And they okay. also show up in more populated areas. Mm. You see, it shifts. Okay. Uh, so if they're going to climax with, we're here as your savior, we have superior technology. You've got to present superior technology. You can't be crashing yeah. these things.
1: Okay. So they're going to have to shift away from Yeah. It. Yeah. They yeah. got to get
2: away. See, it's, it's, uh, uh, I'll point that out. But anyhow, my final chapter in the book, it wasn't going to be my final chapter. I, I didn't outline it that way, but it, I just sort of, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, drop what you, I was going to do Bigfoots and get into all that. I'm going to do that in my second. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but my second volume. But I, I, I went to, the Mothman, West Virginia, 1960s. If you're familiar with the Mothman. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I've been there. I've been to Point Pleasant. Okay. I've talked to people who said they were around at that time.
2: Yeah. Okay. And the reason is, and I call this title, the convergence for Mm. every one Mothman. Now what's so cool is I've coded John Keel all through the book. John Keel shows up in real time. Now he went, he made at least three or four trips to Point Pleasant. During the actual time, so now the man I'm quoting in the book is actually there in real time. Yeah. Okay. And for according to Kill, for every one Mothman sighting, there were ten UFO sightings. Yes. You see.
4: Yes, absolutely. we we got
2: the UFOs, but what's and and also we have those people that encountered the Mothman, and even some of the UFO that were there. You know, people that lived in areas where they were seeing UFOs on a regular basis. Their houses became haunted.
3: Yes, you yeah. Poltergeist
2: activity. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Men in black.
2: Now in this, um, yeah, that's my favorite. Then yeah. on top of that, in my book, I say they, they thought it couldn't get any worse. They thought.
4: Right.
2: And then the men in black start showing up or they right. are, are comparable. Sometimes they didn't always wear black, but these strange little beings would show up uh, that you can't explain. And one man in particular showed up. Uh, I think it was after the bridge actually failed when it climaxed Yes. and he claimed to be, he showed up at the newspaper, the lady that ran the newspaper there, who John Keel became close friends with. He he, he told her he wanted to investigate UFO sightings or something like that. But when she gave him the files, he didn't seem to be interested. He was more interested in John Keel and what John Keel was up to. And he seemed to be perturbed about John Keel's presence, okay? Yeah. And he went to see these people in these, you know, the isolated farms. You don't have to go far out to Point Pleasant to be in the country. You know, yeah. you've been there. And... All of the people, John Keel then, then went, followed up, and went to the people that he went and saw, this mysterious person that they never could, you know, he just disappeared into nowhere after he left. You know, you never yeah. could have him again. Anyhow, John Keel said they were very uncomfortable with him. Uh, In particular, and they all mentioned this, he had fingers that were like claws. They were, they were mm-hmm. so long, and everybody noticed those fingers. And... Kill even, he relates back to these entities that they called up in the seances that had the long finger, okay? Yeah. And also he said in the vamp- the recorded paintings of vampires in medieval times, they also were always had the long fingers. Yeah. See, the vampire sightings are, were real. We think them them as, as yeah. fiction, but actually sure. they were real. Uh, they were just demonic manifestations, but they, they, they seemed that there's a carryover, you see. Mm-hmm. But all of this converged on this one. So I was able to finalize my book by bringing in everything I discussed in the previous chapters all in one and John Kill being there in person and document it. Yeah. So it really brought the book to a, a, a you know, a, a conclusion. So, yes. But. No, oh, that's cool. So I'm, I'm, to my knowledge, I'm the only paranormal writer to cover this from a, from A to Z, from a biblical perspective, you know you have others okay. like L. A. Marzulli that they they focus on UFOs or whatever. I cover, I show you how it all all of it ties back to demonic, to the demonic. Yeah, realm. you see, I tie it all. together. I cover from the hauntings, ghosts, and I'll tell you this right quick. I know you probably don't have much time left, but uh, one of the most puzzling things I discovered. And I don't think it was an accident. I think it, it was it, it was more than happenstance. But mm-hmm. by con um 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 I guess you could say it. anyhow, uh I happened to meet a person by accident, by coincidence was the word I was looking for. <laughs> by coincidence. Yeah. Uh and I was working out one night here in Knoxville, that's after I moved back to Knoxville. And I heard him talking to the fellow at the desk about, he worked with uh, uh, children that are, um, what's the word for it? The, uh, you hear a lot about it now, uh, children that are, what's the word I'm looking for?
4: Are they disabled?
2: Uh, mentally disabled, it's, it's a mental disorder. Autistic. Autistic, so the word I'm taking, looking for. Uh, and evidently there's, there's no degrees about autism. Yes. Ranging from extreme to mild. Yes. Okay. And this person, he was a a young fellow in his twenties, looked like. Worked with autistic children, here in Knoxville, and he said every single one of them, see spirits. Mm. That's what they, that's what they tell him. Okay. And he said, and I and when when I heard him say that, I said we need to talk. So I sat down with him and I started asking him questions. Yeah. and he said they each child draws pictures of the spirits they see. They see these on a regular basis, hmm. and from a biblical perspective, if they're seeing spirits, they only come in two flavors: angels and demons. Yeah. Okay, so I'm like, this is troubling to me. He didn't. He thought it was a good thing. Uh, so anyhow. I also heard by happenstance, by coincidence, a man, I heard this on Coast to Coast, I didn't get his name, I just happened to wake up and you know, the interview was like three, two and three in the morning, okay? Yeah. And uh, this is this is after uh, George Norrie, this was probably about 10 years ago that I heard this, 2011, 2012, something like that. Um, he had a guest that had researched this top, worked with uh, autistic children, he had interviewed children in, in America, Canada, and in Europe, in Western Europe. Yeah. He went to France, you know, the British Isles, Germany, Holland. Yeah. He went to all these European countries and he's, he made it clear though, he said not all of them can speak, can communicate, but the ones that could yeah. communicate with him, he said the same thing. Yeah. He said they see spirits. He said spirits come to them at night.
4: Mm.
2: Now, this is very troubling to me because the medical community based on what I know, and I don't know a lot about this, but based on what I know, they can't seem to treat, they don't really have a comprehension of autism. Yeah. And I've noticed on several occasions on a a, a Christian show, uh, the show uh, called Unsolved, I mean, not not Unsolved Histories, uh, It's Supernatural by Sid Roth. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They've had people on there before that had dealing with autistic children parents yeah. and in one case there was two the the doctor they had actually footage of the doctor who treated this child who said it was the worst case he's ever seen he said the child would in his opinion would uh would be institutionalized for the rest of his life uh the, the child could not speak it was a teenage boy he couldn't speak yeah and, and he was uh, basically banging his head against the wall okay every i mean just a, a like horrific uh situation for the family and, and the child. And finally, one day, some of the church ladies showed up and they said, enough is enough, okay? Mm-hmm. Do you mind if we, if we cast this spirit of autism out of this child? And oh, they prayed yeah. over him and just like that, and he spoke for the first, he couldn't speak more than one word at a time. They couldn't see anything, but he said, come back, come back, as if he was reaching out to them. After that, he was totally normal. Mm-hmm. And they even showed him he became the captain of the basketball team. He went from huh. totally dysfunctional to totally functional. Now they said there was a yeah. he had to catch up in his schooling, but he went from totally dysfunctional to no problem. Yeah. Okay, and then I saw another case. A lady in South America was South America who's a Christian uh, missionary and she had an orphanage, and somebody brought in a child that was a very, very extreme case of autism. And and he would go into these fits and she had multiple yeah. children to take care of. And one day she was just overwhelmed. She said, Oh Lord, not now. I, well, you know, the worst time, uh, this little child is going into this little boy. And she said, the Holy spirit spoke to her and said, why do you tolerate this? Cast that spirit of autism out of that child. Hmm. And she just turns it in the name of Jesus. And that was it. Huh. So I've seen, you know, again, yeah. you know, they claim to be seeing spirits. Maybe they're not crazy. Maybe they're actually telling, they actually are seeing spirits. They're being targeted and there's, there's an account of Jesus gives a detailed account in the Bible where a man brings to him a young child that's throwing himself into the fire. that's, that's going into convulsions and Jesus casts the spirit, this demon spirit out of this child but before he does it, he asked the father. Of course, he already knew this. But he asked the father, "How long has this child, this young boy, been doing this?" And the and the father says, "Since birth. I mean, since he's a little yeah. boy." In other words, yeah. he, he's pointing out, and he also, that these spirits actually attack innocent children and they target innocent children, and it evidently embed themselves in them. They, they're innocent. They yeah. haven't done any wrong. We think a demon possession like about evil person that's done evil, and that's yeah. But innocent children become victimized no fault of their own.
1: Yeah. You see. But but lots of people who lots of people with mental health problems see things.
2: Right? That's what I'm saying. They may be. See, I don't know. But it's okay. Yeah. It's odd that they would all say that. Yeah. Well,
1: schizophrenics hear voices, right? And not all of them, but a lot of them hear voices or think that beans are contacting them. And we don't think that, you know, they're really being contacted.
2: Well, but in these cases where the, these children, these innocent children, are seeing what they would describe as ghosts, used to these people would be called clairvoyant, okay? Yeah. From a Christian perspective, that's not a good thing. If you're seeing spirits, um, you want to get rid of them. Unless, of course, they're right. angels. Now, now, I mean, you know.
1: It's hard to know, yeah.
2: Yeah, uh, but masters, it doesn't sound, angels usually don't, you don't encounter them on a day-to-day basis. They'll show up. Uh, I've talked to people that have, they feel like angelic in, encounters, and it says yeah. in the Bible that will happen. And sometimes you won't know it; they may sit down and have lunch with you, and you won't even know they're an yeah. angel. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but these spirits, these children, seem more like ghost-like haunting type circumstances, like they're seeing dead people or whatever. Sure. Uh, it's it, you know. It just it sounds to me like, and again. In every case I know, and there's only two that I've seen, but where they called on the name of Jesus, the children were immediately relieved of this
4: yeah. torment yeah.
2: and became normal. Right. So yeah. uh, it, it does say, and again, you get, it goes back to the church doesn't do demons. You see? Sure. What, what they do is when they come to you, they mask themselves. They don't come to you as demons. They mask themselves. They come to you as right. ghosts. They come to you as aliens.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you you know that the Catholic Church, going back to the medieval era, has a tradition of distinguishing between um, biological health problems and spiritual attack. And you even find in the uh, the Hammer of the Witches, the Malice Malefactorum, a discussion about how important it is not to diagnose possession until you first ruled out. Um, uh, what are they like okay. physical causes yeah. of insanity but, or but madness? Let
2: me, let me, let me, this is, this, I have a problem with the Catholic church. Now give them credit. Okay. They at least acknowledge it. Okay. Yeah. Whereas right. the Baptist don't. Okay? <laughs> now, okay. Now some Baptists yeah. do, but I'm saying the, the, uh, the run of the mill Baptist preachers are not, uh, trained in this at all. Yeah. Okay. It's like David Jeremiah yeah. said, they didn't even discuss the subject when he went to, okay. know, he graduated with a doctorate degree yeah. in theology, and nobody ever told him about demons. That's yeah. pretty extreme. But okay. in the Catholic view, based on what I've seen, they go through this where you have to go, you know, make a phone call to the Pope or whatever, you have to get permission. And yeah, I, this I is think, the structure. okay, I think where this started, there, there's a reason, I, I don't agree with that. Anybody can cast a demon. If you believe in Jesus, your little, your little grandmother cast a demon out. Sure. Because it's not yeah. you, it's the Holy Spirit. You're just right. you're just putting in a phone call to the Lord, okay? Basically, yeah. Uh, and you got credentials. I think with the Catholic Church, what happened was in the early days they were battling. They you got a population that, that can't read and write. Right. The general population is is illiterate. They can't yeah. read the Bible. They didn't have a Bible to begin with. And they were heavily steeped into pagan rituals and uh, uh, pagan beliefs yes so when the priest went out among these people uh it's like you got to go through us because back then you had to they were the only ones that had the knowledge yeah you, you see what i'm saying they yes. knew the bible and they under and they they are the only sure. ones that knew what they were doing the others would yeah. mix pagan ways maybe you've christianized them but they would mix the old pagan ways with christian ways so the Catholic oh, yeah. church position was, you must go through us. You must, they put restrictions on it. I, and that just carried over. You see what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, it was a big regulatory bureaucracy. Yeah, yeah. It, but, had, but, its, it had its role, but yeah, it also is, yeah. has the consequences of but, all bureaucracies, but, which is inefficiency, being ham-fisted, right? That's what you're getting yeah, at. Yeah,
2: but, but once the average yeah, but, person had a Bible, they read for yourself and you become educated. Yeah. But but in, what they were in Canada was they were mixing pagan ways, rituals with uh christianity and right. they didn't know what they were doing and they, and they would make things worse you see so yeah. it, it had its foundations are are, are well-meaning incredible yeah but now you know a, a person that knows the bible and, and knows jesus you know you can cast out a a demon you know yeah uh, and well, something that's I want, i'm changing subject right quick but something i wanted to tell you that, that that's always bothered me
1: yeah
2: is and i know you're very familiar with this being you're from massachusetts right
1: no i'm i'm from missouri
2: oh you're from missouri
1: okay i've spent time up in the massachusetts okay. in the i was in connecticut for a
2: while okay okay well the uh the salem witch trials yeah by coincidence <laughs> one of these strange coincidences. when i first started researching this i was actually back in knoxville i'd come back home uh, to visit my parents and i was at a local library and yeah. i was trying to find materials on the bell Witch or whatever. And I just happened to come across a, a little book. Uh, uh, it was uh, written a, quite a while ago. I guess it was, a, it wasn't a book I was familiar with. I, I wish I would have recorded this. It I was about to, the Salem Witch Trials. And what yeah. had happened is they told the true story. Yeah. The whole story. You're getting a totally perverted story about, it. it really happened and people were mm-hmm. put to death. But what actually happened was the little girls uh, were being tutored by a, 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 a Black lady from the Caribbean that apparently was a slave that they had freed, yeah. and she lived among this, this, the, the pilgrims there, this colony,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and she was heavily involved in voodoo or, or the, the Black arts. Yeah. Now the children, the they had what they had they had a lot of orphan children because they were at war with the Indians and these people were under a lot of pressure. The Indians had basically going to exterminate them. The Indians had just okay. decided you people got to go and uh, they were out heavily outnumbered and they were under a lot of pressure. And what happened is you had a lot of orphan children. Their parents had been killed. Uh, they'd yeah. be out working on the farms and they'd be get attacked and the, the the mothers and fathers would get killed, whereas the children would have survived. They had the children somewhere safe during these times. But anyhow, so this tutor or that was tutoring these children, daycare, these females, young girls, Yeah. nobody knew about it. She's teaching them the black arts. The little girls became possessed and mm. started making false allegations. Yeah. The devil was just using them, and they put together these innocent people. Yeah. They panicked. You know they were under a lot of pressure and they panicked they shouldn't have but you know in retrospect eventually one of the or several of the girls admitted to this yeah you see and they didn't know they didn't know what was going on so now you see it's a different picture here there was demon possession but it wasn't the little girls okay i mean it wasn't the 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 ladies that were put to death it was the little girls making the accusation but yeah it goes further than that. According to the Bible, if you believe in Christ, you don't, you don't have authority to execute a person because they're a witch. Okay. You know, you don't, there's nowhere in there where Jesus, you know, executes or, you know, you no. know what I'm saying? They don't, they didn't, they were out of, out of line, I guess you could say. They were taking things too far by executing yeah. them, to, you know, executing them. Uh, they're
1: supposed to be like the King James Bible has, a, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Do you know where that's supposed to be?
2: I'm not familiar with that. Um,
1: okay. You don't think so? That would be Old Testament. So, I mean, there are all these prohibitions yeah, nah, against, yeah, in, um, in the against idolatry and um, scrying in the Old Testament.
2: Yeah. In the Old right? Testament, so, you, you had to. And a, they're, like, they'll
1: stone you for those kinds yeah, of things. Yeah. Right? The, the
2: crimes it, so, were, you had a different. A, a different relationship there with the Lord. There there's a whole different um uh, but after the resurrected Christ,
3: yeah,
2: uh in it even speaks of the separation of church and there's there's certain separation of church and state, the church doesn't have the authority to execute people. Okay. You know, whereas the state, that's yeah. you know, there's certain boundaries there. But yeah. they uh you know again they were under a lot of pressure, but they were wrong from a Christian perspective to execute anybody. Even if they confessed yeah. to being witches, they had no authority, no uh that's not what Jesus would have done, is what I'm saying. They would not have been executed. They yeah. may have been banished or reprimanded or, or whatever, but they wouldn't have been executed, you see. Yeah. For for practicing witchcraft. Now in the old yeah. testament they would have, but not in the New Testament teachings, okay.
1: So that whole community got got the runaround from fallen angels they got manipulated yeah they,
2: they were that's and how satan they, does See, so he, he takes yeah you know these innocent little girls they didn't know what they were doing they were innocent right and they yeah they were being taught the black arts and they they became possessed and then the devil just used them to to attack innocent people and destroy yeah. the lives of these innocent people all the people executed were innocent yes so that part's right but i've never that's the only place i've ever seen that before. And it made yeah. sense. It made total sense. Okay, that's so. I mean, you know, so, I wasn't there, so I can't. But it does. It does seem to make, based on what I know. Yeah. That that was the case. So, it's just one of those things I ran across by happenstance.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. 20
2: years you, of research.
1: You've had a, you've done a lot of research, and you've had a lot of unusual experiences, and you've yeah. talked to a lot of people with unusual yeah. experiences. Well,
2: you know, like I said, when I I was amazed, uh, how how common it is hauntings are, and Christians yeah. just don't talk about it. But yeah. when I started talking, they would come to me and tell their stories. I was stunned time and time again. Uh, and they would have never spoke to me about that had I not... They felt comfortable talking to me about it, see? Right. And uh, I was just amazed at how common it is. It, yeah. It's, it's, hauntings are very common.
1: Yeah, my understanding is that having uh, paranormal experiences is very common. I mean, not even... Yeah, there's hauntings, and then there's how many people will have a see an apparition sometime in their life. People uh, will hear a voice speak to them at some point in their life. Um, see UFOs, like when you put all this together, it's incredibly widespread.
2: And I think the belief among Christians is the ones that believe in the demonic realm. Yeah. If you don't mess with them, they won't mess with you. That's not true. Okay. In other words, if, in other words, the, the 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 half that don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, They believe in it. The the, the preacher in Mississippi told me, he said half of the church he had found, they don't believe in it. They don't want to talk about it. And the other half believe in it, but they're so scared of it. They don't want to talk about it. You see?
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, I think their view is if we just don't talk about it, they won't bother us. That's not true. They, 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 uh, They take advantage of your ignorance.
1: Yeah. Do you worry in doing research on this topic that these things being superhuman beings that exist partially outside of time... That, that there's almost nothing we can learn about them because they can just run circles around us intellectually? Or they're like, well, you know, what do you do when the thing can, knows the future and knows what you're thinking and knows your weaknesses? Like maybe they just keep, maybe they're feeding all of us a line. Maybe even you are getting fed some kind well, of line. Do you worry uh, about that?
2: I don't, I worry about them in a sense. I don't worry about that angle uh, so much. I mean, the fact that I'm exposing them makes me a target. Okay. You see see what I'm saying? There's not many people doing what I'm doing in the Christian world, you see? And it makes me a target. Uh, I've even had knowledgeable people say, you're Satan's number one enemy. You're unmasking him. You're doing what the church should do, but they don't do. You know, they don't. Okay. The church sells seats. They're they're, they're sort of selling seats. You know, they'll pick out the parts of the Bible that make people feel good and draw a crowd. Uh, And a lot of this is well-meaning, but they don't want to preach the other half of the Bible. And and it just opens the door for this. Uh, Like I say, if you don't preach both halves of the Bible, he just comes in the back door.
1: Sure. But you, like even in this interview, one of the things you did to support your view that the bell witch was a fallen angel, right? You quote from the bell witch. Right. So then you're accepting its testimony about well, what I, I, it is. I
2: am. If it, if it fits with the Bible, you see what I'm saying? What I did with yeah. the Bell Witch, I filtered every statement it made. that's recorded in this book. I yeah. filtered every statement through you the Bible. You can raise the
1: book higher if you want okay. to hold the book. Okay.
2: Uh, I filtered every statement it made and I couldn't find inconsistencies with the Bible. In other words, it fit into the biblical understanding. Yeah. You, you see I yeah. can um, but
1: what I mean even the, there's the old saying even the devil can quote scripture oh, yeah, what yeah, if it's
2: yeah, 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 yeah. he can quote scripture but what I'm saying is it didn't this is what I was looking for what I was yeah. looking for is it will win you over win your favor yeah uh, for example when it when it came back and spent three months with John Bell jr it was totally civil it just wanted to talk about the Bible and the future yeah. of America okay okay and some historical events. Um, it it talked about Napoleon and, you know, and, uh, anyhow, uh, events that took place in Europe and the, and I was looking for the setup where it's winning his favor. It's quoting scriptures. It's acknowledging Jesus. And then it slips in a lie somewhere. Yeah. You you see what I'm saying? 90% truth, 10% lie. You see, I was looking for that, but I never could find any statement that uh and i was i never could find any statement that i thought was inconsistent with the bible uh, so
1: sure but what if it's selectively quoting the bible to lead you down a well, certain it was, path it was, it went to other,
2: um it went into, and I was going to give you a quote here, for example. He was asking it questions.
1: Yeah, uh, which is supposed to be a bad idea, right?
2: Well, uh, again, it was acknowledging Christ, so I can see he he wasn't out of line by asking it questions. Uh, so I was looking for some quotes here. When he, when he asked... Uh, he asked questions about hell. And it acknowledged the reality of hell and that, anyhow. That it was there. Can't seem to find that, put my hand on it. But anyhow, it it the questions that, that it responded, its response was, always in line with the scriptures as I know them. And sometimes yeah. it would say, I don't know all things. And even if I did, there's things I'm not permitted to tell you. And it would say, study your Bible. Yeah. It would refer me back to the Bible. And it would say, basically everything you need to know is in the Bible. And uh, it it, it told, John Jr. asked it about souls escaping from hell. And the spirit's response was, was, was not exactly what the question to the what he well, the, the, the spirit's response was spirits created spirits as it was leave hell and come to earth every day to tempt men to do hellish acts like thousands mm-hmm. of spirits in other words demon spirits yeah. john bell's quote was was a, was a human go to hell then leave hell and it's, it didn't really answer that but it just responded by saying demon spirits yeah. come to earth every day from hell to, to tempt men to do hellish acts, you see, but everything it did, it's statements that it made. Now, the only thing that some, some Christians would find controversial that I found really interesting is it claims the earth was created millions of years ago. It was here. Okay. Yeah. And that there was a race of, of beings of humans that lived on earth that were far superior Yeah. and they were destroyed in the blink of an eye. They became so just evil so rebellious yeah. and so uh, uh, arrogant that the Lord just destroyed them. And the Spirit said, where you live now was once underwater. And where the water is was once land. In other words, in just a blink of an eye, the Lord destroyed the earth where the this land was sunk below the water, and where the land it rose. It just completely reformed the earth. That might yeah. explain why they find seashells on mountaintops. Yeah, And believe it or not, a lot of theologians believe in, according to the scriptures, that it indicates that. They call it the gap theory. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I believe it's in Genesis 1. It talks about the earth being the Lord creating the earth and the seas, and then the earth becomes void. In other words, there's a start over there. And there's yeah. other scriptures that seem to, to to indicate it. And and the belief is, they call the gap theory is, and there's a lot of fundamentalist believers that believe in this. If you look closely, and there's other scriptures that the the earth was destroyed. And yeah. there was the earth as we know it may be twelve thousand or ten thousand years old, but mm-hmm. as we know it, but it was it was much older and there was a there were there was a population that lived here before us.
1: Yeah. Okay. Back in the Ice Age, maybe.
2: Well, beyond, Age. beyond that, this this thing's talking millions of years ago. Oh, really? So that oh, might okay. that might explain. In other words, the point is, the Bible as we know it. Or, are, are we? We were put here ten thousand years ago. Whatever it is, I forget what the number they agree on. It's roughly ten thousand years or so. Yeah. But actually, there was a previous. Population that lived, in other words, this this planet's millions of years old, and there were yeah. advanced civilizations, and they were simply destroyed, and that might explain yeah. Atlantis. Yeah, the legend of Atlantis. Atlantis was a considered to be a highly advanced civilization, and they were destroyed overnight by sure by a tidal wave or something. That they, they. I think the 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 um, understanding of Atlantis is that they sunk beneath the seas. The whole right. continent just sunk and that would be consistent yeah. yes what, they
1: offended poseidon
2: yeah so um anyhow i thought that was interesting but there are there is a uh it is biblical um scholars that believe the bible does indicate subtly indicate that there was the earth was formed created and then he destroyed it and then we re- receded it i guess you could say okay with our
1: and then uh, our and our uh, as we know and this is so we're talking about cycles of destruction, then, because then there's the flood, the deluge, right, which wipes out the most of the Nephilim's children.
2: It, it wiped out everybody except Noah and his family, and I believe there was no one seven members of his family, eight people in total. Yeah. So everybody was okay. destroyed in the flood. Okay. okay,
1: but that's later. Yeah, that's, that's much later. later. Yeah. That's
2: that's our I'm gonna say our population, our our uh, humans as we know it. Okay. Okay. Uh, that starts with Adam and Eve population going forward. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, uh, and then of course uh the next in this this bell which seemed to indicate this too, its belief was the next destruction will be total yeah. and the earth will be destroyed. destroyed. Which yeah. is consistent well, with the book of Revelation.
1: Yeah,
2: th- that's the book of Revelation. But it, it was yeah. it was saying its belief, but again it would, it would it would say, Well, I don't know. John would Bell would ask it, John Bell Jr. certain questions and it would sometimes say, I don't know uh exactly this is what i i think based on what i know and then it would say there's certain things i can't tell you you know go look at go research your bible you know so it it was consistent with i I could not find anything the only thing i could even come close to finding that i thought was inconsistent now sometimes it would say things like uh it said in reference to napoleon said the greatest thing napoleon ever did the world will never know about he came to believe it before he died he came to believe in christ as his savior okay okay it is you know it would say things like that you can't validate but that's not anti-christian or anti bill you just don't know you don't know how to validate that you know yeah but it did say one thing that 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 the only thing i could ever find that that was inconsistent with the bible in other words i'm looking for that lie the way it's trying to mix that lie in there somewhere it said it knew all about hell okay okay (laughs)
3: yeah
2: it said um it's not literal fire is is you literal fire, where in the scriptures seem to indicate the fires of hell. They seem to, you know, Jesus himself references that. Yeah. Okay. But I think what it meant was no, but it it, it validated hell, though, a place of eternal torment. I think what it meant was fire as we know it, because as as you know it, as we know it, it consumes you. If you're on fire, you're consumed, and you don't live, you don't live, you don't keep living. Yeah. If you were cast into a in, in a burning hell as we know it, you would just be burned up and you would be gone. Yeah, by okay? definition, and, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, so the, the torment is not, it doesn't consume you. So it's not fire as we know fire. Maybe that's that's the only thing I could find. that. Yeah. And I think that was just a, a uh, sort of a misinterpretation or it was just trying to say it's not fire as you know fire.
3: Yeah, you know? okay.
2: But I never could find it. I, I went through it back and forth and I just could not find anything that it... Uh, it, it didn't, it didn't, it, it kept coming, it kept coming back to Jesus Christ, Jesus, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the divinity of Christ. In fact, yeah. there's one thing that I wanted to read to you uh, here that it's final, One of the things it said that, uh, one of the things that it said in the conference it had with John Bell is that I thought yeah. so. Now, this is, this is John Bell speaking, uh, as he closed his chapter on the conference. I tell you, the most indelible impression ever made upon my soul was the almost obscene account the Spirit gave of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, which I have no wish to describe. It was too heartrending for me to call to your mind. My life has been so saddened by this recital of this terrible torture of our Savior that I can never get over it. When Jesus said on the cross, while suffering torture, Father, forgive them, for they know what they know what they did, for they know not what they do. He was so far removed from a human being that I cannot conceive of any man doubting his divinity. Yeah. So here's the Spirit giving him, stressing the agony that Christ suffered for all of mankind. In other words, it's, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it was in, in other words, when it left, he became a more impassioned Christian. You see what I'm saying? This it is John Bell. This is he's John Bell Jr. Father. Yeah. This is John Bell Jr. The one who professed the right? life. This is the conference, the three months. This took yeah. place during the three months of, that it spent with him. Yeah. So, uh, the, the point is, when it left, he's more thing. impassioned as a Christian uh, than he was, before yeah you you see so which if it was acting on the devil's behalf when it left he would be start having doubts well i'm not so sure now you know maybe jesus didn't resurrect you know you know what i'm saying it reinforced his christian so again it had to be a demon because it would not use the language that in the in the everything it did is consistent with hauntings you know demonic activity the, the 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 torment the uh Everything it did was consistent yeah. with hauntings and demonic activity, except when it starts speaking about preaching the, the Bible and, and yeah, declaring yeah. Christ. As, but it did in, in certain, you can, in my book, I point this out in, in certain times, it, it acknowledged that it was a demon to John Bell, Jr. It, it, yeah. it subtly acknowledged that it was a demon. Yeah, but it was there on the behalf during that window. But if, yeah, if you was, you don't want to encounter this thing today, because when it comes back to you, it will not come to you back to you. And <laughs> the uh, 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 with the attitude it did with John Bell Jr. Because you'll you'll just you'll just get a demon, you'll just get a haunting is what you'll end up with. Okay. And I know yeah. this from experience. So it's not something you want to summon. And I'll tell you this story right quick. I had a friend when I first started researching this, and I came yeah. back to Tennessee. It was a yeah. one of my dad's friends that just became a Christian. He, he was he was ignorant of the Bible, yeah. and he thought this thing was a good thing, so he was going to pray to it. Well, you don't ever pray okay. to, you know, spiritual yeah. entities, angels, because you pray to an angel, and a demon will show up. You know, uh, yeah. He prayed to this thing, and he said immediately, and this stunned him. He said, "It, I got a, I got a response immediately." He said, "I was knocked to the floor, mm. and it looked like a black dog or something was sitting on top of me." I couldn't turn my head, but it looks like it was sitting on top of me. He said, I could see my wife in the next room. He said, I tried to yell to her. He said, I couldn't even speak. And then he just said, in my head, I said, in the name of Jesus. He finally got his wits. He said, as soon as I said, in the name of Jesus, it was gone. Yeah, okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You don't want to, you know, he was out of line. If if you encounter this thing, it's not going to be a good experience. Yeah, absolutely. You see what I'm saying? So that's why yeah. I learned that when I was doing my work. Uh, as long as you do it from a biblical, I'll put it this way. If you've got a, a, uh, an aquarium with a, with a rattlesnake in it, you've got to put on a, a, uh, a leather glove and you stick your hand in there and you can handle it. But you can't right. handle it without, that, without protection. Yeah, absolutely. You can, you can study the bellwitch and, and, and you can write about it and talk about it from the biblical. As long as you stay within your boundaries and you don't compromise it, and you don't turn it, you, you're okay. You see? Yeah. And it right. seemed like I got every when I would pray for something, I'd always get it. I whatever supernatural I needed to, to to write this, and to tell the story of the Bell Witch, and to explain it, I, I received. And and during the time when I was doing this research, I met a lady from Mississippi, uh, Northern Mississippi, where Betsy Bell is buried. I actually found her grave. A person showed me her grave. Yeah, um, this, this lady who I became good friends with, she said, well, in that small town, people knew about the Bell Witch because Betsy Bell was buried there. And they were yes. and so they were familiar with the story somewhat. She said, I had a friend that was doing the research like you're doing on the Bell Witch. And she said, it got so bad at her house, she took everything she had, and she threw it away.
4: Yeah, okay.
2: She, okay? And I said, well, she wasn't doing it from a biblical perspective, was she? It's just, oh, no. She said she was just into that stuff. And and I said, well, how bad did it get? And she said it talked to her, and that's when she said this got this going. And it, yeah. uh, evidently, the what the message she received was not a pleasant message. That oh, yeah. was it. It was like, no, I'm not doing this. So uh, anyhow, I guess I was ordained to do the Bell wedge, and it is odd that I was born in the closest hospital to the farm. To my knowledge, yeah. I was, I, in other words, assuming I was born in a hospital, I was born on the farm. <laughs> I was right. born in the closest hospital. And um, yeah, that's a, so that's kind of funny and it's, you know, unusual in itself, you know? But, and then when I moved when I was three and I had never heard of it, you know? Yeah. So, but anyhow.
1: Yeah, that's, well, you're bringing a perspective to this topic that nobody else is bringing. <laughs> I think that's invaluable. I also have, been looking to talk to somebody who could give us the uh the biblical uh perspective on the paranormal. Cause I hear that it's out there. You hear people say like evangelicals believe these things are demons, UFOs, ghosts, but I haven't talked to anybody on the well, show. There's a so certain really...
2: Christians that believe that. I've met them and I always forget to ask them. They generally live in rural areas. I found that out.
4: Yeah. Okay. Uh,
2: they still teach on this, but there's it's, it's just a small sect of the mainstream Christian churches in America, based on my knowledge, don't discuss this. Yeah, okay, you know, it's, it's not, well, I mean, it's, yeah, there's just tremendous you know, ignorance. Pope, of and what Pope the paranormal Francis, people have done,
1: you know, you know, Pope Francis is big into demons, that he talks about them all the time, from what I've heard.
2: I, I wouldn't know anything about that, yeah, okay, that, but but what I'm saying is the paranormal surge. I guess you could call that interest in the paranormal, uh, which it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's escalating. If you look at the shows on the, you know, documentaries on paranormal type, it's, it's yeah. the main menu now, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's amazing. I can't even keep up with them. There's so many new shows coming Maybe, out. on, yes, on Bigfoot so and all that. And what they've done though, is they have done one thing good. They, they've exposing this, they've kind of filled in for the church, you know, in a way they, they're exposing this as real and they don't know what they're dealing with and they, (laughs) you know, but they have exposed it, you know? and 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 from my perspective, Satan's overplayed his hand because it's actually validating the Bible. When you look at it through a biblical, it validates the scriptures. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So.
4: I understand your idea. So, um,
2: anyhow, uh, but like I said, I'm um, I'm one of few uh, that have, to my knowledge, that have have um, written a book from a biblical perspective, from A to Z, from hauntings to UFOs on, on the paranormal. I, I think I'm yeah. I'm in. In fact, I had a a a a Christian. Uh, he was considered the sort of the godfather of the Christian uh, literary industry. This man was from New England, well originally from Canada, but he lived in Boston area, and he's retired now. But he said, "You're the only one." to ever write a book other. than I said, there was a man, a retired missionary in the Boston area that was working on a book like yours in the seventies. And he was an older man and something happened. and He never finished the book. But he said, you're the yeah. only one to write a book about this. And he was going to represent me at first. And then, uh, he said, based his wife didn't want to get involved in this because they would become targeted. He said, they're yeah. just, they're just too old to deal with this. Yeah. Yeah. So I understood because he knows it's real and he, and you, you know I'm I'm a target, but as long as I'm doing it the Lord's work, I'll be protected. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I feel like I'll be successful, but um, it's been a long hard road. It, and that was my first real. I thought when I first presented this, the the, the Christian community was going to with open arms. They oh, thank you for ex-. no, it wasn't quite that way. Uh, it was you know he was like, we don't, we don't do the demons, you know? And I'm like, yeah, excuse absolutely. me, if we don't do them, then who's going to do them? Yeah. You know, <laughs> so.
1: And people who aren't Christian have this assumption that, um, if you uh, are religious, then you believe everything, right? That they're, uh, you know, they, every crazy thing that you can imagine is inside, is accepted by religious people. And that's not true either, right? So it's, things that turn out to be so much more complicated may yeah. first appear
2: but but i believe the 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 paranormal is is um now it depends how you you define paranormal i think paranormal investigators would would an angelic encounter would be paranormal we yeah christians would not call that a paranormal they'd call it a, an angel angelic encounter right
4: yeah
2: but most of the paranormal not all uh but is is coming from the demonic realm i i'm i'm convinced okay. of that but again, if I've, I've talked to many people, who have angelic encounters, which are very interesting, yeah. and uh, uh, you know, we would a lot of people would do, would you know would describe that as or in, list that as a paranormal experience.
1: Yes, for sure.
2: So, um, but anyhow, um, it's been a long journey. <laughs> but you That's can see how the one. bell, which was a good starting though because yeah. I actually had the personal encounters. It's one thing to read about it then when you count it yourself, see. But those were like trained, those were, those were served a purpose to train me, you know, to acknowledge. Yeah. And then I had that face-to-face encounter with the uh, demon spirit in my uh, aunt and uncle's home while I was doing the research. Now that could not be a coincidence. I mean, mm. you know, that's my only, my one and only encounter with a, a, a ghost type demonic entity. And yeah. it happened during that time period. So uh, once was enough, though.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I bet it would be.
2: (laughs) So anyhow.
1: Well, thank you so much, Neil, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it.
2: Well, I guess you got everything from A to Z then, didn't you?
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, everybody is welcome on the show.
2: (laughs) Well, I appreciate it, too. I enjoyed it. Have a good day. All right, you too.